Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, 3 Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. How about those polls, Mr. President? How the polls show you losing badly to Donald Trump? Ah, you're looking at the wrong polls. Ah, the polls I see are great. Show me winning. Can you share those polls with us? What? Huh? Huh? Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. It is Monday, a crazy week ahead of us, of course, as everybody starts hitting the road. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here today. Polls are just bad for Biden. Oof. Trump beats him by four. Haley beats him by six. Uh, Everybody beats him. But the fact that Trump beats him has Barack Obama now coming out and saying that he's very, very nervous that Joe Biden can't win. He's nervous. Well, of course he's nervous because Joe Biden can't win. That's the reality of the situation. He just he can't. And a very strange thing that happened when this car uh, hit into the president's motorcade and everybody's kind of stood there for a couple seconds. It was a very strange video to watch. But Anyway, they asked Biden as he's standing there about the polls, and he says, I don't know, you're looking at the wrong polls. What, what polls are out there showing Joe Biden winning or, or even having a, a chance at winning? Every poll I'm looking at shows him getting crushed everywhere. But I think what they're doing is they're probably showing him fake polls. I told you this. They show him the Fugazi polls, and then they turn around and they make him think he's already won, and then they get him out of the race. Make him think his second term is just coming to an end. I mean, they could make him think anything at this point. It's like it's like tricking a child. So that may, that may be what he's talking about. They may be showing him polls that show him like, the elections next week, and he's he's gonna he's gonna trounce Trump. Uh, it's possible. But one thing I do know though is that the anxiety that is gripping Democrats right now in places like Pennsylvania is very very real. You even have Senator John Fetterperson coming out today and saying, "Listen, I'm no progressive. All right." I am a Democrat, but I disagree with my party. I am, I am pro-Israel. I want the border closed. And, uh, and, and I think Chuck Schumer should get rid of Bob Menendez because he's a crook. But John Fetterperson talking about the border crisis as the border crisis is getting so insane right now. Border Patrol has shut down trains. Yes, they've shut down international commerce to deal with the flow of illegal immigrants who are crossing the southern border. That's all happening today. Bill Malusian was down there from Fox News reporting on the fact that all these people are coming in from countries all over the world, all over the world. And we don't that doesn't include the people that we don't know about. Obviously, the gotaways who are called gotaways because they got away. 
That's why they're gotaways. But it's a mess. Even Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, came out today and said the federal government has given up on the border. They've given up on the issue. Well, that's not actually true. They haven't given up. The border situation is playing out exactly how they want it to play out. There's a clip of uh, squad member, lunatic representative uh, Jamila uh, PayPal or RayPal, whatever her name is. Uh, she's out there today or yesterday. She said, when they asked about if Biden does something on the border, is there going to be backlash among the wacko Democrats? And she said, yeah, people are going to be really upset. And she goes on talking about this coalition that they used to defeat Trump in 2020, which includes immigrants. So what? I mean, like people that aren't supposed to vote. Is that what she's saying? Is she confessing that? Is that a big confession by Representative Pramila J. Powell? I don't know. But it's a real sense of anxiety out there. Selena Zito, who writes for a number of different nationally syndicated newspapers, but the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, she wrote a story today about, will the last steel worker please shut off the lights? It's all about how U.S. steel outside of Pittsburgh is going to be sold, probably to a foreign owner. And the, the, the devastation of jobs in Pennsylvania across the Commonwealth, in the energy sector and the manufacturing sector, which helped propel Trump to victory in 2016. And the anger that's out there today is very real. So much so that Reince Priebus, the former Republican national chairman, who of course was Trump's first chief of staff, he said today, voters are angrier now than they were in 2016. His actual quote was, voters right now want to give a bigger middle finger than they did in 2016. So that says something right there. Because, you know, Reince is an establishment kind of guy. And, he, you know what I mean? He's not. He's, and Jonathan Carl from ABC News was asking Reince all these questions about Trump's tweets and his comments and, you know, his Hitler comments. And, of course, Trump's not invoking Hitler, but regardless. But, you know, and then and and what Reince said was, well, actually, people want to give a bitter, bitter, a bigger middle finger now than they did even even then. People are angrier now. Well, sure, it makes sense. But this is why you have stories like Barack Obama coming out and saying that he doesn't think Joe Biden can really win because Joe Biden can probably not win. And this all started when David Axelrod first came out of the Obama reunion weekend and went on that tweet storm about how Joe Biden's got to go. And they're all they're all saying these things. I mean, they're all they're all still coming out and saying this over and over and over again. But if you think about it, we're only at this place right now because we're it's it's December it is December of uh, December 18th, obviously. By the time we get back from Christmas break, I mean, this week is kind of nuts. I'll be doing a lot of national filling stuff for Levin and for Dana Lash, and, and I'll be on the air most of the week as well. I mean, every day, including Friday for Dana's show, and then Michael Pelka will be in on Friday for me. But the point is that when we get back from the new year, I mean, this, this goes 100 miles an hour, and it's going to be 100 miles an hour from January 2nd until November, until election day. It will be 100 miles an hour. You remember what 2016 was like. 2020 was a little different because obviously we had COVID. So a lot of us were, were home and working remote and doing all kinds of other things. But, but 2024, now we don't know, we don't know. There could be another pandemic. There could be another, who the hell knows what the left will try. But assuming that everything stays the way it is now, it's going to be 100 miles an hour. We'll have the New Hampshire primary, the Iowa caucus. We'll have all these things happen. And at some point, the question becomes, is Joe Biden really going to go through with this? Is he really going to stay in this race? Is he, is he actually going to go forward here? And for Democrats, I mean, the news is just so bad. You know, the best news they had was that they had an aide who filmed a, a, a gay sex video in the Senate. That was like, the, that was like the, the bright spot for Democrats' news over the weekend. I mean, it's bad for them. 
everywhere you look, the economy, the border, the war in the Middle East, the fact that you have Democrats right now, as we speak, there's a pro-Palestinian protest going on in New York City at Grand Central Station. So one of the busiest rail terminals in the world, this pro-Palestinian protest that's happening right now. And my favorite is that of all of the uh, banners that they have right now, it is the Queers for a United Palestine banner. I kid you not, Queers for a United Palestine banner. And you have all kinds of things about Israel's atrocities. And this is, this is, this is who they are. This is the, nut, the nutty part. So when you have John Fetter person coming out and saying he stands with Israel, he has to come out and say those things because he knows that is not where the Demo- that, that is not where people are. The Democrat Party has become the party that has allowed this anti-Semitism to grow, this anti-Israel approach to grow, and this pro-Hamas cult that they have. They've allowed this. They've welcomed them in. They've ushered them in. They've said, "Yeah, you, you know what? You, you, hate does have a home here." It turns out. Hate for Israel has a big home in the Democrat Party. You're welcome. Join in. And Fetter person's turning around and saying, I can't win like that. I, there's, how, how, do I, how, do I, how do I maintain my seat? How do I maintain support if I, if I go in with these whack jobs on this? Or if I allow the invasion of the southern border to continue? Now, look, maybe Fetterman is just saying these things because he thinks it's good politics. I don't know. He also came out today and he said China should not be allowed to buy any of our farmland and they should have to give back everything they've already t- taken. Again, not a very popular position among Democrats. So it makes you wonder what really happened after John Fetter person had that stroke. And maybe this is a body double. Maybe, maybe somebody did come out and take his place and that person happens to be a little more uh, center-minded. Or maybe just Fetterman realizes now that the party is just so nuts that he has to distance himself from his own political party, much like Joe Manchin does. I mean, Joe Manchin was out over the weekend saying that the border is completely shut down. It needs to be shut down. You need to shut down the southern border because that's how bad the immigration problem is. Shut it down like it's an amusement park. You know, I put a giant moose outside to tell you the park's closed. I mean, shut down the southern border of the United States of America. That's just how bad it is. And meanwhile, in all of this, the far right wing Washington Post has a big expose over the weekend about Biden's corruption regarding his brother, James, who's now at the center of everything and was caught in an FBI wiretap years ago because he was involved in another bribery scheme that he was involved with, although he wasn't charged with anything, but it had to do with him getting a big lobbying fee and then his brother, Joe Biden, who was the Delaware senator at the time, and then the senator who was turning around and trying to get support for a big tobacco bill. Originally, Joe Biden was against it, and then he was for it. But it turns out he was only for it after his brother got paid lucratively, and then his brother says, I never, ever lobbied my brother. Uh Uh-huh, that's right. And there was a place for Hunter in all this, too. So clearly, it's bad for them. It's bad for them. And when everything like this is happening, and you turn around and you take just a, a look around the polls and you see Trump's commanding lead over every Republican, you also understand the panic that's happening in the Republican establishment. Not because Trump can't win, but because he can. Anybody who tells you that they think Trump can't win is not telling you the truth. Trump can win. Any Republican can win. Well, the people that are telling you he can't win are saying that because they're worried that he can and they know that he can and they're very nervous about that fact. So they are trying to make the argument that he can't win. Ron DeSantis' campaign is imploding right now. He lost Jeff Rowe, who was a big political operative, and Jeff was running one of his super PACs and Jeff's out and they're having all kinds of internal fights. 
Over the weekend, you had David Brooks from the New York Times coming out and saying Chris Christie needs to drop out and back Nikki Haley. My, my opinion is at some point he will. He's only staying in right now to, to try to help Nikki Haley and, and, and be a, 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 battle, a battle axe for her. But at some point he will back her. But even if Nikki Haley is the one-on-one candidate against Trump, as they say she's gaining in New Hampshire, she's really not gaining in New Hampshire. I mean, she's, she's, she's gained a little bit, but Trump's gained more. And he's pulled away from everybody in Iowa as well. Pulled away from everybody in Iowa. Trump remains in the driver's seat with 44%. Haley has 29%. This is in New Hampshire. DeSantis has 11 So yeah, Haley's, Haley's definitely pulled out among the other candidates in the race. And that's why the establishment is now rallying around her. But it's still such a lead. In Iowa, Trump has a lead that went from 51% in September. It's 58% now. DeSantis is at 22%. Haley's third at 13%. So if you're Ron DeSantis, what do you do? I mean, do you, you're not doing particularly well in, I, in uh, New Hampshire, but you're doing you're, you're second place in Iowa. So you just, do you just stay in? Christie says, if I don't win New Hampshire, then uh, if I win New Hampshire, I'll be the nominee. That was the same strategy he had in 2016. Same exact strategy. He put it all in New Hampshire. He let it all ride in New Hampshire. And he did not win New Hampshire, obviously. And a short time after that, he came out and he backed Donald Trump. But he's still out there saying those things, saying, I, I will win New Hampshire and then I'll be the nominee. You're not going to win New Hampshire. Not even close. It's not even, it's not even in, in the realm of possibilities. I mean, it just isn't. Look at these numbers. These numbers are, the numbers are what they are. Trump has 44%. Haley has 29%. DeSantis has 11%. Christie has 10 How do you go from that to winning? So at this point, it's just a matter of when he gets out and who he backs, which will be Nikki Haley. It's not going to be DeSantis. Although he's still taking shots at Nikki Haley. So who the hell knows? But then again, he took shots at Donald Trump and then he wound up backing Trump. So he's a very, very pragmatic politician, at, 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 the, at the very least, you can say that. He's a very pragmatic politician. But looking at these numbers and realizing that, yes, Donald Trump can win makes the Republican establishment very, very nervous. So all of that means they are going to try in a big, big way to do something to stop Trump from being the nominee because they don't want him to win. The establishment, the Republican establishment does not want him to win. They're very nervous about that fact. They're very, and they look at these, these numbers. They see the same numbers we do. Hell, I think the Republican establishment would back a Democrat over Trump. And the, at, the, at the end of the day, I think they would. I really do. I think that that's how worried they are about him. He is angry at the establishment for a lot of reasons. But a big part of the reason is because early on in his first term, he took them in. And they ran the place. And it was a cluster for a while. You know, it was, it was, you had people undermining his own his agenda because he listened to the party establishment and said, all right, surround yourself now with the, the hacks at the Republican National Committee and everybody else. And he did. And that was a big mistake, something that he openly admits. So they know that, and they're, they're really nervous about this. But if you look at the, at the numbers and you think to yourself, all right, if Trump's only going up as the, as the legal cases continue to get closer and closer to him, doesn't it then make people think that as we get close to a trial in the January 6th case, that it's only going to help him even more? See, that's a conclusion I would have. I'd look at those numbers and I'd say, well, obviously, if he's doing this well now and everybody's aware of all the legal implications and nobody cares, in fact, it's just helping him, then when they actually start the trial, when they actually go after him, isn't all of this going to just help him even more? 
Yes, conversely, though, however, the, the, the Hunter Biden stuff really does hurt Joe Biden. It hurts Joe Biden. Today, Andy McCarthy was on Fox News and he was asked a question because Jen Psaki over the weekend was saying, you know what? Uh, Hunter needs to just shut up. And McCarthy's point was he does, but it's too late. He's already came out and said incredibly damaging things, incredibly damaging things that are going to hurt Joe Biden's reelection campaign. And you got to wonder, as you hear Obama coming out and saying this, and this is McCarthy's point, you hear Obama coming out and saying this, you hear the Washington Post going after the Bidens for their corruption. All this stuff is coming out. Hunter Biden's facing multiple criminal charges now. Is all of this going to lead to Joe Biden getting out of the race? Now, look, I have no way of knowing for sure. All I know is that I think that you and I both see with our own eyes that the Democrats do not like Joe Biden. They are nervous about Joe Biden and there's no enthusiasm for Joe Biden. But they have a Joe Biden problem, which is the fact that he is a he's a nasty, nasty guy and he is a a a a, a guy who's got a huge ego and doesn't want to go anywhere. So looking looking at all of these issues together and then taking them and thinking that we might have a week or so Biden's said to be increasingly frustrated by dismal poll numbers, but if you ask him he says you're looking at the wrong polls. In one recent meeting, he said poll numbers were unacceptably low and he wanted to know what his team and his campaign were doing about it. You know what they're doing about it? They're trying to get you out of the race. That's what they're trying to do about it. I mean, what else do you do? You know, the economy is what it is. People feel it or they don't and people are feeling it. There's no way to spin that. I know that, I know that the uh, spin doctors love to think that they can, they can make people believe anything, but you really can't. You know, when people are paying more for groceries and more for gas and more for their housing and costs and, and, and their mortgage rates and everything else, you can't spin that and go, really, you have it good. Because people turn around and go, I, I don't ha- actually know. I don't have it good. I mean, your spin is great. I guess it makes me feel good, but I don't have it good. There's no way to spin that. So what, how do you change course at this point? What do, you, what do you do? Now, the Fed will come out next year and, and they will cut interest rates. They will do that. That will be what they will do. They'll do their part to help the Democrats win. That'll be their little gift to America. The Fed held rates steady last week, as you know, and then they'll come out next year and they'll probably give maybe two, maybe three uh, cuts, which will boost the economy going into the election in November. No doubt about that. Oh, the Fed's dirty. I mean, they play a dirty game here. And they also don't want Donald Trump to win. So they'll do their part to help. And that will help. That will certainly help things. It will, it, will, it will bring down interest rates. It will make people feel like they have a little more money in their pocket. Could stimulate the market. Could make people see higher returns in their 401k just in time for the election. That's what the Fed will do. But will that be enough? Will it be too little too late? But don't, don't discount the fact that they're going to do that. Oh, of course they will. Whatever they can do to help the Federal Reserve, that's what they can do. Print money? Sure. If you need it, no problem. They'll print money. Need them to hold back on the money? They'll, they'll do that too. Need them to raise interest rates to drive the economy into the ground? They can do that. The interest rates to spur economic growth just in time for a re-election campaign, they can do that too. Whatever you need, the Fed is there to help. And it's so corrupt, isn't it? It really is. You're watching this corruption. And don't forget, Biden is still bribing people. Oh yeah, openly bribing people with student loan debt repayment. I mean, something in, in Pennsylvania alone, what, 80,000 people have gotten student loan debt forgiveness, even though the Supreme Court has said you can't do it? He's still doing it. So you get a little check, you know, a nice little check. But I, but I think all these issues are just, are, they're, they're just too overwhelming at the same time. And when we come back, I'll share with you all the latest on the border situation. It's bad. So bad that Texas now is going to pass a state law saying if you cross into Texas illegally, you have broken Texas state law and the Texas state rangers, their state police will be able to arrest you. 
His taxes is turned around and going, what, well, what are we supposed to do here? I mean, this is a freaking disaster. What are we supposed to do? You have them shutting down trains at the southern border to deal with the flux, the influx of, uh, of illegal immigrants. They were shutting down international commerce at the southern border. Though it's a freaking mess. But the good news is, though, is that uh, I do think change is coming. That's what makes me happy. Although Democrats are certainly going to do everything they possibly can to stop that. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. So it's Monday. We'll begin a big week. There's still fallout from the University of Pennsylvania. Still fallout from all the anti-Semitic protests they allow on the college campuses. Uh, Philadelphia officially has banned ski masks in certain parts of the, of the city. Uh, is that helping? And uh, the Pennsylvania Republicans have blocked funding for the University of Pennsylvania for allowing anti-Semitism on campus. I'll share that with you as well. Let's get this week started off right. Coming right back. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Thank you if you joined us. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Monday, or Friday, I should say, in Cape May. We had a great time at the Grand Hotel, Cape May. Hope you had a great time if you were with us. Wonderful crowd. And thank you to everybody at the Grand for hosting us. Five shows this year, uh, and they were, they were a lot of fun. Each and every one was fun. Each and every one was, uh, was special in its own way. So thank you for joining us on Friday. We'll hope to do it again in uh, 2024. Get some dates on the calendar, and when we do, we'll announce them and you know mark your calendars for them. So they are always a blast. The border situation is is really uh, nuts right now. It's it's crazy what's happening, but it's all by plan. I mean, this is what the Democrats have always wanted. I think it's the reason why you have Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterperson coming out and saying that he doesn't agree with this. He wants it stopped because he knows this is not popular. I mean, if, if John Fetterman's whole point is I'm just a guy from Braddock, you know, he knows then that the people that actually work in this country and work for a living and try to go out and just earn a paycheck. They're not happy about this. Nobody's happy about what's happening at the border, except for extreme wacko Democrats, which is most of them. I mean, it's most, the fact, if you have to come out and, and break from your party, think about this now. If you have to come out and break from your party and say that you don't agree with them on the border situation, that's a problem. That's a problem. That means that that is not the mainstream opinion in your party. 
The mainstream opinion of your party is have the border be open. If you got if you got to you got to take time out of your day and come out and say I want to I want to set the record straight, all right? I don't I don't agree with with my party on this one. I want the border shut down. Think of how nuts that is. You have to take time out of your day to make it clear that on this issue, you don't agree with the Democrats. You actually want to secure the border. That should tell you everything you need to know about where the Democrats are on the border. Everything. Because if they, if they wanted to shut the border down, the border would be shut down. But they obviously don't. Here's uh, Bill Malusian was down at the southern border in Lukeville, Arizona, talking about the massive numbers of single adult men, where they're coming from. And again, these are just the ones that we know about. Cut number one. I can tell you we have not yet seen any National Guard down here in Lukeville. What we have seen are more mass illegal crossings and more mass processing taking place. We'll step out and give you a look at the scene here. This is a temporary outdoor area that Border Patrol has set up here to process these illegal immigrants. You can see family units as well as single adult men who have come in from all over the world here uh, getting processed, getting ready to get put on a Border Patrol bus where many of them will be released and likely heading to a city near you in the coming days. And we'll show you what's been happening out here. Take a look at this video we shot yesterday afternoon right here in Lukeville. Another mass incursion through a breach in the border wall. We were showing this a couple weeks ago as well. Hundreds of people pouring through the breaches in the border wall, crossing illegally. A lot of them single adults, as I mentioned, coming in from all over the world. And this group you're looking at here, there were adult men from Congo, Guinea, Senegal, others from Colombia and Ecuador. And Harris, listen to these numbers. Just in this Tucson, Arizona sector, in the last three weeks alone, Border Patrol said says they've arrested more than 54,000 illegal immigrants, and that does not count the gotaways. Does not count the gotaways. Now, now, just so you know how angry people are at Fetterman, Fetterperson, he, he told NBC News, quote, I'm not a progressive. I just think I'm a Democrat that is very committed to choice and other things. But with Israel, I'm going to be on the right side of that, and immigration is something near and dear to me, and I think we do have to effectively address it as well. He insisted that he could be pro-immigration while also favoring policies to restrict the flow of migration to manageable levels, disagreeing with progressives who oppose new limits on asylum and bash some of the ideas and the negotiations as cruel. He said it's a reasonable conversation until somebody can say there's an explanation on what we can do when 270,000 people are being encountered on the border, including not including the ones, of course, that we don't know about. To put that in reference, that is essentially the size of Pittsburgh, the second largest city in Pennsylvania. And he said, well, it's not ideal to have this conversation about asylum and parole policy in connection with an aid package for Israel and Ukraine. It's still one that we should have. Progressives better do that because we can't leave Israel, we can't sell them out, and we can't sell out Ukraine, and we have to deliver on this. I just would very much like to get a deal done to deliver this critical aid. So he says all these things on NBC News, and progressives lose it, and they just start coming after him and hammering him. And this story from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Fetterman's betrayal of progressives is why young people are turning off politics. The PA senator's I'm not a progressive rant outrage ex-supporters and helps explain why young voters are turned off. Will Bunch, of course, writing this. And he said... Um, the man who once anointed himself leader of the Keystone State's left-wing movement now rejects 
uh, the, the gathering of the receipts to back up the statement. In the same interview, Fetterman, who burst onto the state political scene in 2016 with bold pro-immigration statements backed by the story of his wife Giselle's coming to America as a young undocumented migrant from Brazil, said he now supports restrictions on the flow of migrants. He told NBC News that immigration is still near and dear to me but that it makes sense for Democrats to make a deal with the right-wing Republicans demanding tougher immigration policies. And Will Bunch hammers him for this. He says, some progressive voters who might be turned off by Fetterman's new take on immigration were already furious with the senator over the ongoing war in Gaza. That conflict has seen the first-term Democrat not only join most people in condemning the October 7th terrorist attack by Hamas, but also become one of Israel's most zealous defenders refusing to discuss Palestinian civilian casualties and brushing off hundreds of calls to his office and noisy protests begging him to call for a ceasefire. In fact, Fetterman has seemed to mock protesters wearing an Israeli flag at one gathering. Ooh. All this after Fetterman, who started his rise as the mayor of tiny Braddock in western Pennsylvania, introduced himself to statewide voters by openly comparing himself to left-wing icon Senator Bernie Sanders and then telling progressives that uh, he's one of them. He said, quote, chip in whatever you can to help us take this progressive momentum all the way to the ballot box on May 15th, he said in 2018. That was a number of times he explicitly said he was a progressive or endorsed progressive policies or values. In return, core Democrats fueled his decades-long rise from obscurity to Capitol Hill with thousands of small donations or by knocking on neighbors' doors. Now, some of these early supporters say they were betrayed or even feel lied to. Think about this. For standing with Israel, for wanting the border to be shut, or at least at least managed properly. Let's be clear. He didn't exactly call for it to be shut down, but he said he wants it to be managed properly. To actually do something about border security. For those reasons, you have progressives burning their John Fetterperson cards, burning the John Fetterperson bumper stickers. They're angry. They're so angry. They feel betrayed. This is how freaking nuts the Democrat Party is. If you wonder how far nuts the party has gotten, all you got to do is look at this. The fact that Fetterman has to come out and say these things and then gets blowback from Democrats because they're like, you stand with Israel? You want the border to be secure? There was a time when that was mainstream for the Democrat Party. When the Democrat Party stood with Israel for the most part. And there's lots and lots of clips over the years of Democrats coming out and saying we need a border wall, border security. They were all for it at one time until they were against it because they, they blow with the wind. But then the Democrat Party was taken over by the squad like people, kooks, total progressive lunatics. And all these people are anti-Israel. They're pro-Palestinian and they want the border to be wide open. So these policies are so freaking nuts that if you're a Democrat like a John Fetterman, you got to come out now and say you don't agree with them. And then you got to get blowback from all the people who said, we thought you were one of us. Now, I don't know. I imagine that Fetterman at the time thought progressive in his mind maybe meant that he was for giving people higher minimum wage and more you know, student loan debt repayments and all those kind of things. Maybe he meant all that. But that's not enough. You can't be woke enough for these people. So maybe Fetterman agrees with them on, say, seven or eight out of 10 issues. Not enough. You're dead to them if you don't agree with them on 100%. That's why Joe Manchin's dead to the Democrats too. Now look, I mean, could this be Fetterman posturing? Possibly, but maybe not. I mean, maybe he knows that this, these, these positions in the Democrat Party, now the Democrat Party has become the big tent for lunatics, extremists, people that are so, so extreme in their positions on things. 
anti-Semitism running, running wild in their ranks and the idea of an open border being something that they fundamentally believe in, that they're now turning around and they're saying, I, I, I got to distance myself from this. So Will Bunch goes after Fetter, Fetterman, right, in the Inquirer, and he says, if, um, he says, I'll just, uh, I'll quote his top aide, Adam Gentlinson, who insists Fetterman is just being consistent. He spent the, t- the entire campaign referring to 2022 when Fetterman adopted some more centrist stances like support for fracking, telling people he wasn't a down-the-line lefty. But Bunch said, I asked Pennsylvanian voters on social media how they felt about his anti-progressive jab, as well as his positions on Gaza and immigration. A few praised him as an iconoclast, someone who's willing to buck the conventional wisdom. But a lot of other people went after him. And then now they're using his wife, Giselle, to turn around and say, well, Giselle would feel betrayed, thrown under the bus by John Fetterman. One person, Mike Doyle, a Democrat who once ran for a state house seat in Northeast Philly, said he felt duped. We contributed a lot of money. And now I regret every single penny we gave him. Another, another user on Twitter said, I worked my butt off to get Fetterman elected. I canvassed every weekend. Help with rallies for him in South Philly. Ran a training to help combat the Republican attacks on him. I feel betrayed. So does Will Bunch. Will Bunch, of course, who's a lefty, total lefty. He said, I get it. As an opinion journalist who's covered Fetterman since the 2016 race, the senator has not been the man I once thought he was. Even by the lowered expectations of his moves towards the center in beating New Jerseyite Mehmet Oz last year, I do applaud when politicians buck partisan politics for a moral center, and Fetterman has done this with his call for Bob and Ennis to resign, but ignoring the plight of slaughtered civilians in Gaza and dropping the pro-immigrant vibe that drew people to him in the first place... That feels like any moral center he had caved in. This feels deeply troubling for reasons that go beyond Fetterman. In embracing Israel's bombastic response to October 7th while not fighting to overturn Donald Trump's inhumane border policies that in many ways have continued, President Joe Biden is basically Fetterman without the Carhartt hoodies or shorts. Ouch. Which then also tells you something else as well. Within the Democrat Party... Within the base, another reason why Biden is so incredibly popular is because this is the Democrat Party now. So then, now think about independent voters. Think about people in the collar counties of Philadelphia. Think about people in Pennsylvania, Western PA, and, and they consider themselves to be more moderate voters. Who, who do they side with? Yeah, they, they, they don't like Trump's mean tweets and they keep hearing everybody say the guy's the next freaking Mussolini. But at the same time, it's like, if they're moderates and they get all these whack jobs in the Democrat Party that are turning around and they've got, you know, gays for, for Palestine blocking traffic, gays for United Palestine blocking their, their commute home, I mean, that's nuts. So you ask sensible, moderate, independent voters, what do they do? Do they side with these whack jobs? I don't think so. I think it's why when James Carville's group was asking voters which party's more extreme, they came out and said the Democrats. The Democrat Party has embraced this. This has become, this is who the Democrat Party is. So you know what's going to happen. You look at young voters in the Democrat Party today. Will Bunch breaks this down. He says, young people disapprove of Biden's pro-Israel tilt by by nearly 70%. They want to prioritize climate over the economy, 60%. These are people that don't really have jobs and they're getting their student loans repaid. So, and they don't support curbing legal immigration. They don't support curbing legal immigration. And they, 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 as they get younger and younger and you go down the line, 
They're saying leftists are suffering a crisis of faith in the possibility of progress, while the dark visions of the far right manage to give people on that side something to actually get excited about. Ah, and there it is. The only way you motivate these voters is if dances of tyranny uh, go on in their heads. Dances of Donald Trump's tyranny go on in their heads. But the problem is that's not enough. People don't buy it. They don't buy it. So these young voters have no reason to be excited about Biden. The fear mongering about Donald Trump being the next Mussolini is not playing out the way they want it. And now you've got the party looking so insane, so freaking nuts, that a guy who once declared himself to be the Bernie Sanders of PA coming up and standing and saying, I am not a progressive. Wow. These are, these are bad times to be a Democrat. Holy cow. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. All right, look, Christmas is right around the corner. If you have not done so yet, you need to right now do something that's going to make everybody on your list happy. You need to embrace the wonderful, wonderful offer at omahasteaks.com and get 50% off site-wide. Plus, when you use my name, Zioli, at checkout, you're going to get an extra $30 off your order. Oh, these are beautiful, beautiful steaks. Age for 28 days because that's how you bring out a steak's true potential, the true glory of a steak. And for five generations... America, America's heartland, Omaha Steaks, has been doing the absolute best, giving you the highest quality beef and other kinds of food throughout its entire five generation of family ownership. You know, I mentioned the Chinese farmland issue. Well, as China keeps buying up farms and farmland and food companies, America's uh, Omaha Steaks has been American owned and operated five generations of family. That's the quality you can expect. It's why they have the uncompromising guarantee. It's why anybody on your list, whether it's a client, a friend, your boss, your brother, your husband, your wife, whoever, is going to be so happy when the delicious flavor and food of Omaha Steaks shows up. They can gift wrap the cooler as well. And there's so many options to choose from. Steaks, pork chops, gourmet burgers, gourmet franks, easy to prepare comfort meals ready in a flash. So much there for you. Just go to omahasteaks.com today. Nobody ever returns steak. They return sweaters and things like that. They got to repackage some things. You don't want to have anybody have to do any work. Everybody who gets the Omaha Steaks cooler for Christmas is going to be so happy and thrilled. But you're running out of time. So right now, omahasteaks.com. Take advantage of 50% off site-wide savings. Minimum order may be required. $30 off your order when you put in my name, Zioli, at checkout at omahasteaks.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. John Fetterperson turning around and saying the Democrat Party is like when you have to distance yourself from your own family, you know? Well, listen, they're nuts, but uh, they're not like me. Like Michael Corleone and The Godfather trying to tell Kay that that's his family. It's not him. But of course it's him. Uh, you, can't, you can't run away from that fact. Fetterman can say whatever he wants. That's his party. That is his party. But the fact that they are so freaking nuts now that he has to come out and make it clear that he, he, he stands with Israel and wants the border to be secure. And for that, he gets blowback from people like Will Bunch and, and, and kook-whack kook jobs all across the country who are angry at him for saying he stands with Israel and wants to secure the border. Just think of that. Think of that for a moment. Uh, Jim is in Philly. Jim, you're on Talk Radio 1210. How are you? Hey, Rich. Great show. Yeah, I was thinking that, uh, you know, since Fetterman had the strokes and all that stuff, he's starting to get his wits back. You know, he's starting to maybe think this through a little bit and doesn't want to be a one-term senator that, you know, uh, Pennsylvania is starting to, you know, through some later polling, 
lean more conservative again because of the radicalness of the left. It's a good point. Yeah, he may be actually reading the tea leaves and realizing that that the, the things are turning, turning in a big, big way. Yeah, I, I think for a guy like him who was so hardcore left, uh, you know, with his his pot flag hanging out front of the Capitol and some of the other crazy stuff he did, uh, you know, maybe he's listening to his advisors and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it could be, you know, he really did let his fan base down, you know, promising him to get the uh, loans paid and all that other stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm just curious to see when people are going to learn between him and the big man over there. Uh you know, they didn't carry through. They only need him for a vote, and then they forget about him. Jim, it's an excellent point. Thanks, my friend. You have a great day. You as well, Rich. Thanks. And Merry Christmas. I, I think it's also important to realize that in 2020, look at look at the election in 2020, and we'll leave aside the uh, the cheating and the games paid, played by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, but just think about Biden in that election, in that general election, running as America's uncle, nice old guy in the basement. He's going to heal everybody from mean tweets and and build back better from COVID and all the nonsense and everything like that. It wasn't he didn't really run as a as a as a progressive. I mean we we kept pointing out the fact that he was. You know, I kept pointing out every day, do not be fooled by this guy. I remember that like it was yesterday. You know, being on the air in October of 2020 being on the air in November of 2020 and saying to people over and over again, September 2, I mean, the entire time, don't believe this spin. Joe Biden is A, a nasty SOB. B, the guy is corrupt as hell. Everybody knows how deep Biden goes in D.C. He's a multimillionaire. He's never had a freaking job in his life. Number three, he will say whatever he has to say. Don't make, don't assume this guy is some, is some moderate here. He's fooling you. Sure enough, what happens? He gets elected president. First day, what does he do? Kills the Keystone XL pipeline. First day goes all in on all the lefty, wacko, lunatic policies. And the border goes from being a border that was getting secure to being a border that is wide open. So, I, you know, you, you can't, everything I told you was true, but the problem is back then, a lot of people got duped. You know, they, they didn't, they were, the, the country had a, a negative tone around it. They were unhappy. I'm talking about the ones that actually voted for Biden, not the ones who's, who, whose votes said they voted for Biden, but didn't. But I'm talking about the ones that actually did. I don't see those people voting for Biden again. I, I don't. At this point now, they're angry, but they're not angry at, 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 at Trump anymore or the country or they're angry at, at Biden. They're angry at, at, at this guy for this economy. They're angry about what they have to deal with financially, economically every single day. As I mean, Reince Priebus said it. He said it's they're giving a bigger middle finger now than they were in 2016. The only good news for Democrats over the weekend was they had they had a they had a Senate staffer do a, a gay sex tape. That was the bright spot for them. Oh, really? Because now it gave it gave it gave progressives something to defend and to attack conservatives on. Like, oh, you're just you're just being critical of Senator Ben Cardin's aide for making a gay sex tape in this in, in a Senate hearing room uh, because you hate gay people. Say what? No, uh, it's disgusting. He should not have done that. It's a public place. He's going to face criminal charges now. That was really, really sick. But, oh, it's just you MAGA Republicans don't like gay people. Like, what? Huh? No, no. It's just this is a different kind of insurrection here. And it's just not, oof, it's not good. But they, but they were actually happy about it because it, it, it gave them a distraction over the weekend. 
Oh, they were. Yeah, no, they really were. They were like, oh, good. We got we got a, a scandal we can talk about. We love we love gay sex scandals. We don't have to talk about the economy or Biden's poll numbers or anything else. Great. And we can we can paint MAGA Republicans as meanie pants who don't like gay people or something. Now, there was a story about that in Politico or I think it was Politico. How about how uh, Republicans are jumping on this? No pun intended. No, believe me, they're, they're not. <laughs> they're not. But they are just pointing out how disgusting it is. And they're pointing out how this this guy, this staffer, probably exposed himself, no pun intended, to some serious legal consequences. But, but, but obviously the media writes it as, oh, those mean MAGA Republicans, they've got a problem with gay sex tapes being filmed in historic Senate rooms. It's with these people. They're so out of touch. They just don't have the pulse on America anymore. And as somebody pointed out, um, it's, it, 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 it goes really to the heart of when you've got these people doing these things, a lot of young people just desperate for attention. I mean, truly, really desperate for attention. And this guy got a lot of it. And he's about to get more because now the legal attention will come too. An insurrection of its own kind. No question about it. But they were happy about it. They were like, oh, good. We have, we have something else to talk about. Because what else do you talk about if you're Democrats? All you're doing is playing defense. Well, on this, they can play offense. You're like, well, it's an artistic video. They were, they were very quiet about it. The media was very quiet about it. The mainstream media was very quiet about it, the corporate media. And the only time they really talked about it was to say, Republicans are being mean again. Oh, yeah. NBC News framed the Senate sex tape video as, uh, as something that conservative news outlets were doing to push the story. NBC News came under fire on social media over a ridiculous headline that seemed to fall conservative news outlets for reporting on a Democrat Senate staffer filming a gay sex video in a Capitol Hill hearing room. The report came after the Daily Caller published an amateur pornographic video Friday that showed an alleged congressional staffer, I mean, he's done it, it's not alleged anymore, engaging in sex with another man in the Hart Senate office building room 216. The video was leaked after being shared in a private group for gay men in politics. Posts on social media claim the alleged staff worker uh, worked for Ben Cardin, which we now know is true. And we now know the video is confirmed and the guy's going on about how this is, he's, he's a victim again. But NBC News, this is what they had. This is what they wrote on social media. Senator Ben Cardin's office has parted ways with a staffer who conservative news outlets allege was shown in a leaked video having sex in a Senate hearing room. As Tim Murtaugh from Newsbusters Media Research Center said, NBC's framing of this is outrageous and belongs in the Media Bias Hall of Fame. A Democrat senator's staffer videotaped himself having sex in a Senate committee room, shared it online with others, and got fired when it became public. But NBC cast conservatives as the bad guys. Oh, I didn't realize that. I'm sorry, what was that point you just gave me Matt DeSantis. So apparently the uh the the act occurred in Amy Klobuchar's Senate seat. <laughs> in her Senate seat? Yeah. Ooh. That's way worse than making somebody shave her legs. <laughs> or uh right? It wasn't that the accusation about her that they made her shave her legs? Uh, Klobuchar I remember she threw like a salad or something at someone and then uh because they forgot her fork. Yeah. And, and I think she threw binders at people as well. They, 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 are they going to, you think they'll bleach that? Use a Clorox wipe on it? <laughs> I think you Something? just throw out the seat and start Probably over. Probably just throw out the seat and yeah. start over, right? I, I think even the Mr. Clean Magic Erase won't get that out, you know? No. If somebody, I would just throw it out. Somebody has sex in your sentence, just yeah, throw it out. Just Probably just start over, go to yeah. Staples and buy a new chair. Just call it a day. <laughs> right? Just call it a, call it a day. 
I mean, taxpayers will pay for it, so the chair will cost $42,000, but still worth it, worth every penny. <laughs> worth every penny. Uh, Barack Obama is very concerned that Joe Biden cannot win again, according to a report, because Joe Biden can't win again. And pro-Palestinian protesters in New York City, including queers for a united Palestine, disrupt the afternoon commute. Lots to talk about. Four o'clock hours straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Now, as we discuss all the issues of the day today, I guess one of the big ones that I got to ask you about is what is going to happen with all the queers for Palestine protesters when they finally go to Gaza and hang out for the day? You think they'll be welcomed? You think they'll watch the Senate video together and Hamas will embrace embrace them? Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Obviously, the irony of the fact that these people are out there protesting and the people that are in charge over there would love to kill them all is not lost on anybody. But it also shows you just how nuts the Democrat Party has become, which has kind of become a theme here in all of this. Uh, Just how much trouble is Eric Swalwell into helping Hunter Biden last week with that little statement that he made? It's a good question. We'll talk about that as well. And um, Jeffrey Epstein. Still more stuff coming out about Jeffrey Epstein. And it turns out he never stopped abusing women. And his VIP circle helped make it possible. Of course, Jeffrey Epstein, who did not kill himself, was always abusing women, obviously. But I want to begin with this. You know, I always tell you we live in a police state. I have something I talk about all the time. And I've been saying this for years. And I've been saying that the government, if they want to get you, they're going to get you. And the government loves to use its power to go after its enemies and to help its friends. And one day, as we keep giving the government more and more of our liberty in the name of keeping us safe, one day the government's going to turn around and say, oh, the terrorist is you. And we're at that day. So all those years that guys like me warned you over and over again, stop, stop shredding the Fourth Amendment, stop making a joke out of it. It's actually a real thing. And then people said, well, what do you want to get blown up by a terrorist? Well, now you're the terrorist. Here's what I mean. Heavily redacted records show the FBI's targeting of Catholics went beyond what it claimed. The FBI has insisted the controversial memo was the work of a single field office. But Judicial Watch told the truth that uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray had told congressmen that the memo was a single product by a single field office But the records uncovered by Judicial Watch show that it was reviewed by the OGC slash CDC, Office of General Counsel slash Chief Deputy Counsel. A hundred pages of FBI documents that show the agency was not fully forthcoming about its actions surveilling and targeting Catholic churches. Judicial Watch obtained the documents through a Freedom of Information Act request related to an internal FBI memo leaked earlier this year, which revealed that the agency had efforts underway to identify and treat Catholics as potential terrorists. The records also indicate coordination from officials in Portland, 
and Milwaukee. They interviewed a priest and a church choir director ahead of the anti-Catholic memo. That's what was discovered by the House Republicans. Now, we had the school board memo. That was the one targeting moms in yoga pants at school board meetings as being domestic terrorists. And that was the one that said, you know, just be careful when you get up and start screaming about masks on your kids or the curriculum or whatever other wacky ideas you have. The FBI just may be watching you. We'd hate to send a big black suburban to your house and make everybody in your postural neighborhood know that you're a terrorist. So, you know, it's intimidation is what it is. And then they did the same thing with Catholics, too. Because these people have no shame. They love using their power to intimidate people. They love it. They get off on it. They get off on it. Like they get off on videos that are shown in certain uh, Senate rooms. They, they really do. They get, they get a rise out of this stuff. The FBI Richmond internal memo titled, quote, interest of racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists in radical traditionalist Catholic ideology almost certainly presents new mitigation opportunities let me try to translate that word salad for you what that means is hey uh since we all need to beef up our numbers around domestic violent extremism since it doesn't really happen but we have the mandate we got to go after domestic violent extremists and we don't actually have any this is a hidden opportunity this is a gem we can go after people and just say that they're extremists because they pray in latin they go to mass every sunday some of them go every day some of them even wear black when they mourn if somebody dies. Well, this is a gold, this is a gold mine here of domestic violent extremists. Come on. Interest of racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists in radical traditionalist Catholic ideology almost certainly presents new mitigation opportunities. Translation: hey, look at extreme Catholics. They might be domestic violent extremists, or at least say that they are. And then get get the bosses off our back, you know? Feels like anything else, you get tired of the fact that the boss is always riding you. Hey, your domestic violent extremist numbers are very low this month. We have a quota to meet. I know, boss, but here's the thing. They're just, we don't have any. What do you mean? There just aren't any domestic violent extremists. There's like a couple whack jobs in the mountains, but we already profiled them and they aren't doing anything. They're just kind of sitting on their couch and mouthing off. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, get me some numbers. I need these numbers at the end of, by the end of the week. What are you going to do? You got to start figuring out where they might be hiding. And I don't mean hiding. I mean, where they, how you could link to be to them. Say, well, this could potentially be this. You're buying time really is what it is. But also a lot of the people that are bureaucrats hate these people. These are devout Catholics. These are pro-lifers. These are people that also pray outside of abortion clinics, try to counsel young women into um, having the child or placing it for adoption, for example. These are not the people that the Biden Justice Department likes very much. These are wacky Catholics. They actually go to mass all the time, not just on the big calendar holidays. It identified radical traditionalist Catholics as potential racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists and said that racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists or RMVEs, as you know them, in radical traditionalist Catholic ideology almost certainly presents opportunities for threat mitigation through the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development. Let me translate that word salad for you. What that means is that we have zero evidence. We have zero reason to believe these people might be threats, but we can say that they could be And that'll give us the ability now to spy on them, monitor them, and find somebody who's who's crazy within their ranks. All we need is one. 
And then we can say the whole group is. And that's really what it is, right? This is the government confessing that they didn't have any evidence. They had no reason to believe any of these people were bad people, but they said that it presents opportunities for threat mitigation through the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development, i.e. spy on people and put in undercover operatives to go in and sit, sit around and then lean over to some guy in Latin, I guess, at mass and say, man, world's going nuts. Huh? You ever want to just sometimes, like, I don't know, blow it up, blow, blow it all to hell? And the Catholic guy looks at him and is like, no, not really. I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of sitting here praying. Yeah, well, you ever want to just sometimes, I mean, abortion, right? Bad, right? You ever want to sometimes burn down an abortion clinic? I, I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Ah, you're under arrest. What? FBI Director Christopher Wray and the agency have previously claimed the memo was related to a single field office in Richmond, Virginia. Following the leak of the memo, the FBI told Fox News Digital, quote, headquarters quickly began taking action to remove the document from FBI systems and conduct a review of the basis for the document. Well, our standard practice is not to comment on specific intelligence products. This particular field office product, disseminated only within the FBI, regarding racially or ethnically motivated violent extremism, does not meet the exacting standards of the FBI, which, from the FBI's perspective, says a lot, right? The FBI told Fox News Digital earlier this year, any characterization that the FBI is targeting Catholics is false. However, Judicial Watch suggests these new documents show that that is not the case and the issue was broader than the FBI let on. Quote from Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton. These documents disprove the FBI's narrative that the spy operation against Catholics and churches was limited to one field office. In fact... The operation seems to have been approved by top lawyers in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. These documents should trigger a criminal inquiry into the Biden FBI scandal. And the documents released by Judicial Watch show FBI officials from different field offices discussing the program, including General Counsel Jason Jones in an email that says, quote, Assistant Director Dunham asked that we circulate the attached draft, quote, complicated questions document for the director's upcoming testimony for your review. As you will see, the draft reflects feedback received from various divisions slash stakeholders to date, and certain topics continue to evolve. Huh? Again, translation, we have nothing but we really think going after extreme Catholics, as we call them, uh, people who have a lot of Catholic faith, we think this could be a gold mine. This could be a target-rich environment, as we say. But of course, we know that the targeting of Catholics, the targeting of, of parents at school board meetings, all these things that have happened, suggests that the FBI uses its law enforcement capabilities to intrude on Americans' First Amendment rights. And it's far more widespread than initially suspected. That was said by Jim Jordan and Mike Johnson of Louisiana. The allegation that top lawyers in the FBI or anyone outside of just the Richmond field office approved the product is false, said the FBI, but all this came out in a FOIA request, so it's all real. And besides, I don't believe a damn word these people say in Washington. I do not. I think that you've got people in the FBI at the very highest levels of the FBI and the Department of Justice who are some of the biggest, biggest bullies and tyrants that we've ever known. 
and they got a lot of power and they got a lot of guns and they got a lot of various tools and techniques that we've given them to keep us safe from terrorists and they have no problem using them against American citizens. None whatsoever. But the FBI says, we have stated repeatedly that the intelligence product did not meet the exacting standards of the FBI and was quickly removed from FBI systems. Here's my question. Did anybody get in trouble for this? Do you notice that as the FBI tries to distract everybody where they turn around and go, this did not meet the exacting standards of blah, blah, blah. Did anyone get in trouble? It always seems to be a pattern where you have people that abuse their law enforcement powers to target moms at school board meetings, target Catholics, whatever it is, and nobody ever gets in trouble. Christopher Ray said in front of Congress, there might be a mention in their performance review. Well, listen, Johnny, I'd love to give you a great performance review. And in every metric, you scored great, except that whole targeting of Catholics thing. I mean, between you and me, we love it. But I have to say, I have to make a note here. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I mean, wink, wink. You know, shouldn't have done that. Just a shame it all got caught. There, there, nobody gets in trouble because this is what the Biden Department of Justice wants them to do. This is what the Attorney General of the United States wants them to do. The Attorney General has told them, and whistleblowers have come forward to say it, that the Biden administration wants them going after domestic violent extremists, but there is a problem. The demand far outweighs the supply. So what do you do? Boss is riding you every day. Got to get those reports. Need them. You make it up. You just start making it up. And that's exactly what they've been doing. That's why nobody trusts these people. That's why nobody believes that there were not undercover FBI operatives or informants on January 6, 2021. That's why nobody believed when the whole plot to kidnap the Michigan governor came out that this was really a bunch of uh, you know hillbillies in the woods of Michigan. They, they knew it. And of course, it all turned out to be true. These guys sit around and they all go on and they bloviate about things over some crappy light beer and then the FBI moves in. They weren't doing it. They weren't actually going to do anything. But they get motivated by the FBI operatives who are there because they're trying to push these people into taking action. In the case of the Catholics and the school boards, they, none of these people did anything. They weren't even suggesting doing anything. You had a couple parents who yelled at school board meetings and you had a couple Catholics who what? Stood outside pro-life, uh, I mean, abortion clinics and prayed? But for that, but that's enough. That's enough, though. Praying outside an abortion clinic is enough to get you targeted as a potential domestic violent extremist. That's all it takes. You just have to be a potential. And they can just put the numbers in. And they can inflate the numbers and go, ah, you know, this guy over here, this guy. And then if you brush a, uh, a, a, an abortion guy, you know, if you brush into one of the, the abortion ex, ex, escorts, like Mark Houck did, or his son did, or whatever the situation was, then they'll come to your house and shackle and chain you and drag you out and accuse you of assault and violating all kinds of federal laws and they'll make a big federal case out of it. And they'll hound you and try to get you to uh, cop a plea, which will put you in prison. You didn't do anything, but they have to make the numbers work. So a conviction like that is huge. It's great. It's big. It's big time. It's fancy. It's very fancy. It's all about the numbers. Oh, you know it's like, it's like when you get somebody riding you every single day because you're not making your numbers on this or making your numbers on that. If you work in sales, you know what I'm talking about. Well, pretend it's not your sales that's the problem. It's, it's the lack of domestic violent extremists. What are you going to do? You want that year-end bonus like everybody else? I envy it. I pity, I pity you. I pity the fool who's got to do it. But 
the fact that all this stuff comes out in a FOIA request, and uh, we have the the House Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of Government looking into all this. And what does Christopher Ray, that weasel, say? He turns around and says, give us more ability to spy on you. Give us more power. Give us more information on you. We want, we want to know more. Why do they want to know more? Because the more that they can listen and observe, the more they can start accusing people of things that they are not. That's why. Because they still got to make their numbers. They got a quota. And they got to make their numbers. So we turn around like dopes and the Republicans keep giving these people more power. I mean, I don't understand it. I don't understand at what point the Republicans are going to turn around and say, no, we're not doing this anymore. We are not doing this anymore. We cannot keep giving these people power. This has to stop. This has to stop. We can't keep doing this. At what point do they turn around and say that is my question. All right, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. If you want to weigh in today on everything we are discussing on the show, we still have a big show for you. Uh, And the FBI interviewed a priest and a church choir director ahead of the anti-Catholic memo. I'm sure the the church choir director had a lot to say, don't you think? Had a lot to say. Probably went on and on about all the songs they sing and how intimidating they are, you know? Ooh, especially around Christmas time. A church choir director. That's who the FBI interviewed. A priest and a church choir director. It sounds like a bad joke. A priest and a church choir director and an FBI agent walk into a bar. And the FBI director says, you're under arrest. For what? I don't know. Just have to say something. You're, you could be a domestic violent extremist, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. But let's arrest you now and just let it all sort out, I guess, down the road. Uh, Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. There has never, ever been a better time to get there and say hello to my friend Judith Krupnik and the entire team at Cherry Hill Volvo. They pride themselves on always delivering for their customers, and they have some incredible incentives, very generous, aggressive pricing and promotions, and now, on top of that, they're, they're adding even more because they have to do a big renovation. It's been a family dealership since Judith's father founded Cherry Hill Volvo. And what I love about Cherry Hill Volvo, of course, is the fact that they will treat you great. But since that family dealership has been there, they now need to expand. So to make way for all the construction equipment, they are giving some even, even more amazing and generous financial promotions, including $1,000 off all new Vavos plus owner loyalty, $2,000 off if you lease or use Vavo car financing, a $7,500 rebate on all plug-in Vavos, on top of everything else that they're offering. This is the best time to go to the region's most accessible Volvo dealership right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Now, you know I love driving a Volvo. I drive the XC40. Bridget drives the XC90. That XC90, that family car with that third row, and all the great cargo space it has is going to make it so easy when we go up to see Bridget's family over Christmas break in the Adirondacks because the roads get snowy up there and icy, but the car will get us there safe and sound. And that matters. It really does. Plus, I love the fact that I have something called Care by Volvo. I have the XC40 and the Care by Volvo lease program, and that means that every five months, I have the ability to change to a different Volvo. I can keep the Volvo I have, or I can cancel the lease altogether. It makes it so easy. And that one price includes, ready? Your car insurance, prepaid tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, maintenance, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? Get to Cherry Hill Volvo now. This is the time. This is the time to go there and see them. There's year-end specials, year-end incentives, and the people there will take great care of you. 
There simply is no other dealership that stands with Talk Radio 1210 WPHD like Cherry Hill Volvo does. And that's why an additional $1,000 off all new Volvos plus owner loyalty and $2,000 off when financing or leasing through Volvo cars. Only at Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill where relationships matter. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. The question, of course, on this Monday, is the Nikki Haley surge real? Uh, The answer is no, it's really not. But the establishment, the corporate media, uh, they're all going to say it is. But it's just, it's really, it's really, it's truly not. But they're all going to push Haley now. And the pressure is on Chris Christie to get out of the race and back her, which at some point he will do. Uh, Just really a matter of when. He said if he wins New Hampshire, he'll be the nominee. And he's not going to win New Hampshire. So that's the bottom line. Uh, The question was just asked on social media on the platform formerly known as Twitter. Let's do the Cherry Hill Vavo social media check-in. So Fred's sister-in-law, our buddy Sue, says it's Christmas week and we aren't getting bumper Christmas music. Sad. It didn't even occur to me actually until I saw her tweet, but it is Christmas week. All right, so what's our strategy here, gentlemen, for Uh, Christmas bumper music? I mean, Particularly you, Henry, since you control the... I mean, we can make a hard pivot right here, right now, and start playing some. Do, I mean, should we? Let's say Vic of the Week now. We've got a full show today, tomorrow, and then Wednesday. Thursday, we have, what, 90 minutes or something? <laughs> uh, 90 minutes, best case scenario. It's probably going to be closer to an hour. We're sandwiched between a Temple college basketball game and a Penn State college basketball game. Okay, and then Friday, I'm off. Yes. Also for the reason that we probably only have an hour and a half, so... Although it's possible it could be a full show, but I don't want to risk it, so Opelka's going to be it. <laughs> I mean, I could do 90 minutes, but I can't do it. Well, no, because tomorrow I'm doing Levin, and then Wednesday I'm doing Dana, Dana Lash's show, and then my show, and then Levin. The same thing, and then, and then on Thursday I'm doing Dana's show and my show for 90 minutes, and then on Friday Dana's show. So that's exhausting, you know what I mean? Oh, gee. Wait, you so have... It was like a full day. Did I hear that correctly? Wednesday you have Dana's show, your own show, and Mark's show? Yes. Oh, wow. The trifecta. <laughs> Which means you'll be able to hear me on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD from 3 p.m. until midnight. Nonstop. How much airtime do you need, Rich? Still not enough, DeSantis. <laughs> Still not enough. But my ultimate goal will be one day I'll fill in for George Norrie and you'll hear me from 3 p.m. until... 6 a.m. That would be kind of cool, actually. And then maybe I'll go back to mornings for the day and then just keep going all day. It'd be like a marathon, you know? Yeah. I wonder what the record is for most hours of airtime. I guess somebody's done 24 hours at some point. Yeah, well, I think Coop, our buddy at uh, 98.1, he, uh, for the Chop Radiothon, I think he was on the air for, he did like a 72-hour hunger strike or something. What? (laughs) Pretty sure. Something like that. Yeah, that but was a machine. Uh, he played music, though, correct? No, I think they just talked all the time. For 24 I popped in for a little bit and said hello on the air. Oh, wow. Well, our Travis Madden Foundation Radiothon, I was on the air most of the day. 
but not all of it. But mm. so, what do we think? So, so we have today, tomorrow, and Wednesday, and a little bit on Thursday. When should we, should we start tomorrow? We should start tomorrow. We should start today. Yeah, why you not? Start today? Why not do it right now? Who cares? All right, let's, let's do, do it. it right now. Oh, he doesn't have. I have a, a request from somebody. Uh, let's see, because we got to get some good. We, get, we need Marshmallow World from Dean Martin. Of course, of course. It's my personal favorite. Uh, Zat You Santa. You know that one? What is that? Probably if I heard it. I mean, they're all the same songs every year. Yeah, but that one might be a little more obscure and a little more original. So if you have any suggestions for us, tweet them at us, or you can call the show if you want to give a suggestion. I try to like to do ones that aren't just the same. Like Mariah Carey is banned. I will not do Mariah Carey. I what? cannot. No. No. Why? That is the worst. That one and the and the um, Wham guy. What's that? Last Christmas? Oh, it's horrible. Oh, you're out of your mind with that. No way. Because people... you know why? Those songs are so overplayed. Mariah Carey's song and that song are so overplayed. That doesn't make them bad songs, though. The Mariah Carey song, All I Want for that, or, yeah, All I Want for Christmas is You. Possibly the best of all the Christmas songs. Yeah. The worst. That's the why they play worst. it the most. It, people, you, there's no accounting for bad taste. It doesn't mean that it's good if they play it all the time. <laughs> if, 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 that means like everybody in the world has bad taste. Everybody in the world sings along to that song when it comes on. I don't care. We don't do things that everybody in the world does. As I say to my children, if everybody in the world jumped off a bridge, would you do it? <laughs> but you're saying the song stinks, and it clearly does not. It's terrible. Uh, Zat You Santa Claus by Louis Armstrong. Yeah. That's a good song. I don't know that one. I I, I think Henry's probably right. If I heard it, I probably would yeah. recognize it. I don't like the the shoe song. The shoe song? Oh, well, about the mom who's dying and needs shoes for Christmas. Nobody just plays that song. I know what you're talking about. No one just plays I hear that it all anymore. the time during the holiday season, and it's a total bummer. It takes you out of the Christmas spirit. Exile in Jersey says, "For the love of God, no Mariah Carey." In all caps. Uh, Billy Bob One wants to know which show I'll be drinking on. Thursday, uh, probably, <laughs> probably this one. It's only ninety minutes, right? <laughs> yeah. If that, and then we went out most. to dinner after that, so yeah, might as well get, get our holiday tie on. We'll do our Christmas party Thursday. <laughs> Cosmo and Buddy says there's a Led Zeppelin Christmas montage. The hippie on the rock station plays it once a year. Do you know that one? I can find it. Yeah, I don't know that one either. Oh, and you know what else uh, annoys me? Any Bruce Springsteen's "You Better Watch Out." That that I can't stand that either. Oh, where he's telling everyone. Yeah, that one's weird because he's like talking to people during the start of the song. Yeah. It's like conversational. Santa Claus is coming to town, right? That's it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that one I actually but do sort of. There's like. better versions of it, though. I agree. There's better versions in that one. Also, because I can't, stay, I can't really can't stand Springsteen anymore. So it's probably that. Yeah, you just hate Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, it's probably more more that than anything else. <laughs> what about the Chipmunks? I hear that one all the time. I don't like. Uh, I don't like their voices. I, I actually, I kind of like that one. You like the Chipmunks? Yeah, I, 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 I didn't come to mind. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought it unless you brought it up. But I don't. I don't dislike the Chipmunks. <laughs> Not for me. Cosmo and Buddy wants to know what the hell is wrong with you two. I agree. Mariah and George Michael suck. I agree, Cosmo and Buddy. No well way. Said. Mariah Carey is so good. And she has well, that other play, song, too. Christmas. You can play her on Friday when I'm off. Knock yourself out. <laughs> what if I play, play Christmas? Here. 
You could play another show. You, when you produce for Rooney, you could play him. What did you play Sunday night for Rooney last night? So I was playing some of my favorites. I threw some of his in because we were going to do a list. We ended up just doing Christmas movies. Uh, but no, I played songs like All I Want for Christmas is You, Run Rudolph Run, uh, Little St. Nick. I did uh, Kelly Clarkson's Christmas song. I forget what that's called. Um, that one's really good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Run Run Rudolph is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck that's Berry. A good one. Chuck Berry knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a real good one. And, of course, they use that one in, uh, is that Home Alone? Yeah, yeah, when they're running through yeah. the airport. And we watched Home Alone over the weekend with the kids. I, I love that movie. I really do. I forgot how much I loved it. I forgot how much I loved Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern in that. Mm-hmm. But that is not a movie to watch with a three-year-old because there's a lot of uh, questionable language in that movie. <laughs> and Reagan repeats everything. So about 10 minutes in, I turned to Bridget and I said, are you serious right now? And we turned it off. We, we watched uh, Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell. Oh, that was yeah. very good. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, that was a fun one. That was a good one. I like that. I, I like him. He's a good actor. And then, of course, the cameo by his wife at the end, Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. But Home Alone is really good. I forgot how good it is. And then we're going to watch Home Alone 2 at some point. You know who's in that one, right? It was a cameo in that one. The Donald. The Donald. Correct. Shows Kevin how to get to the lobby. That's right. Uh, the, Former President Donald Trump has a cameo in Home Alone 2. <laughs> which I think is the best Christmas movie of all time. I think Home Alone, the, the, the original, is close, but I prefer the second one slightly. I've never seen it, so I'm going to watch it. What? I wait, know. You've wait, never wait, wait, seen wait, wait, Home wait. Alone 2? What? No. How no. is that possible? I never actually saw Home Alone. I watched it for the first time through... <laughs> The the other night with the kids. You raged at me last year when I said that Home Alone was my favorite Christmas movie, and in my opinion, the best Christmas movie, Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. I consider them kind of a package deal. And you hadn't even seen either movie all the way through? Yeah. Weren't you a kid, when the, fir- weren't you a kid when the first one came out? Like, Yeah, how yeah. did you not see it? I, I don't know. Oh, rich. I don't know, probably wow. Mama's the only part wouldn't let me watch it because there's so much violence in it. <laughs> there isn't that much violence. It's guy just... gets smacked in the face with an with an iron. <laughs> he gets hit with a, a paint can a hot, too. A hot yeah. doorknob. <laughs> well, let's not spoil anything. Perhaps there are other members in the audience that haven't seen these two. The movie's classic 49 films. years old. If you haven't it's, seen it by now, what are you waiting not for? It's 49 years old. It's like 33, I think. You get to see the biggest villain of all time, and Uncle Frank. Yeah, Uncle Frank's uh, scene stealer. That freeloading cheapskate. Yeah, that, he's, he's very good. I would, Makes you feel any better. I forgot my reading glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know what Peter McAllister did for a living, by the way. That that's house true. is that's, yes. that's something. Fantastic. And he's paying for the whole family to fly to France. Yeah, yeah, and at no point was he upset that they wasted all this money on the trip. I don't know. Maybe they have the trip insurance. I don't know. But I would have been mad. He's flying I would have been like, the kid can stay at home for, by himself for a week. <laughs> <laughs> paying for all those first class tickets? It's nuts. It is nuts. The other, uh, I saw, I was driving on 95 the other day. There's a local company in our area. I can't remember which one it is. They have a billboard. And on the billboard, advertising their company, it says, ready? Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And I thought, bravo. Not only for taking time out of your ad to point that out, but for correctly stating that it is, in fact, a Christmas movie. You're going to so. give Henry the idea to buy up billboard space uh, with a big slogan that says, Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie. I, I would argue. You know, I always always argue, catch me if you can. I argued it last night with Rooney. But Rooney, Rooney didn't even have Die Hard in his Christmas movie list because he doesn't believe it's a Christmas movie. 
because mm-hmm. he, he, he he says he it needs to die hard's a christmas movie no he says like it needs to fit the theme of like you know like giving and being a nice person like it needs to have those themes to for it to be a christmas movie i sort of agree i feel like it needs to have christmas spirit like in order to be yeah. a christmas it can't film. just take place in the holiday season i, I was like die I hard, but die hard follows all of that what how so christmasy though well, uh, it's a theme of overcoming greed <laughs> and redemption, reunion, right? I think you're grasping for straws Just here. Just saying. I don't know uh, why I needed to get this snarky tweet from Cynthia, but she said, Rich, thank you, thank you, thank you for not playing the two worst Christmas songs of all time, Mariah Screeching Cat Carrie and Wham Garbage Breakup, so I don't need to buy you a present song. Finally, Rich tells the truth. I tell the truth every day on this show. What are you talking about? That's kind of a dig. <laughs> well, that's necessary. Uh, Michael Cooper says the Wham song stinks just like anything from Bruce Springsteen. Agree. Susie says, Rich, our mutual pal Stunt Brain turned me on to the group Over the Rhine. 15 years, it's a great one. It's the voice of an angel. I don't know that one, but we'll try to look it up, Susie. And Jacques Gary said, Chrissy Hines and Joni Mitchell. That's some good Christmas uh, music. And there you go. Everybody's got an opinion on this, which is good. Yeah, everyone, everyone's got like that niche song that they like, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, this rendition's really good. It's like, all right, I'll give it a listen. Terry says, strictly because the left wants to cancel, you should play Baby It's Cold Outside. I agree, we do. We play hmm. it every year. The question is, which version of it, though, is the best? Ooh, I, don't, I have to look up all the different versions. Yeah, but it's a good one. Uh, and I do like Bing Crosby and David Bowie doing Drummer Boy. That is a great one. Yes. That is a great one. Have you heard that one, Henry? Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to keep track of who sings what, you know? Bing Crosby and David Bowie doing uh, Little Drummer Boy together. And I think it's kind of a cappello. Oh, it's fantastic. Great. That's a great one. All also, right. I have a statistic that may help your your uh, argument that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Go ahead. So, according to Dish Network, 1.3 million Americans watched Die Hard on Christmas Eve in, uh, I guess, the last time the statistic was measured, yeah. um, which actually beat out holiday favorites like Home Alone, Miracle on 34th Street, and The Santa Claus. There you go. See? I, I have my pulse on the people. Uh, my buddy Frank says, "This is So This Is Christmas by John Lennon is terrible. I agree. I don't like that song either. Oh, yeah, That's that another one. Okay, so would you rather have that one or uh, the one by uh, Paul McCartney, simply having a wonderful Christmas time? That's also terrible too, but I'd rather have that one. I like okay. that one. So you'd and rather have that one. I, yeah, I, like I can't stand the one uh, about uh, there won't be Christmas time in Africa. What is that? The, the one by Bono. There's so, there's so many niche songs. Oh, yeah. man. Can we come back with that? Because I don't even know. No, 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 no. I want to hear it now. Come, come back with one of the good ones we just said. But I come back with a good one. terrible one. No, no, no. We're not doing the Bono one. We're not doing terrible ones. No. I've never heard it before. It's not. So look at it. Well, we go to break. Google it real quick. You'll, you'll know it right away. It's the won't be. Christmas time in Africa, the greatest gift they'll get this year is love. It's one of those things they need to raise money for, I don't know, Farm Aid or Food Aid or oh. something like that. You Trust me, you don't need, don't worry about it. Trust me, all right? I kind of want to hear it. I kind of think well, we then play, play it on I, break. I, I'm play it on your phone, we go to break. Yeah, look I, it up in your own time. I, I, I think I'm not even audience intrigued. members that have never heard it, and now they're That's interested. not true. Everybody knows that song because it's one of the songs that's overplayed every time this time of year. 
every time. They overplay it. I've never heard it. Oh, all right. Well, this conversation's <laughs> over. I'm overruling you as the host. Oh, come on. And Henry's overruling you as the guy who actually controls the songs. Henry so has no power. completely outvoted here. Yeah, you're you're not winning this one. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's over, DeSantis. You lost the battle. Can we get a snippet of it now before we go to break? Just a snippet. I sure. I don't need a ton sure. of it. Fine, I, just fine, like, fine. I'll placate you because you need you. to get everything your way. I don't. That's it's freaking not my true. way. Fine. I just wanted to hear a snippet of the song. I'm not familiar with. It. Okay. All right. All right. Here. Play a snippet Who, of the who's song. this by? Uh, <laughs> Henry's not even paying attention. Bono. I think it's Bono. Well, maybe not. You too. I don't know. See, Henry is Sean, so. Sean Jacobs. I don't know. I don't know. Don't worry about it. You know yeah, what? It's I'm terrible. not. I'm not. Uh, Overplayed and forget you know, about it. Well, now yeah. everyone's missing out. It's over. Just Google it on your own time. Just duck, duck, go it on your own time. All right. <laughs> you got plenty of of your own time. You no more papers. You're on your little break now, right? I am, and I got Good a perfect score on my uh, CLR. So did you really? Yeah. Congratulations. Thank well, considering you. you did it during work time, you should get a perfect score. <laughs> I took one day off to work on it. Oh, Cynthia came back with a, with a follow-up tweet. Very sweet. She said, Rich, sorry, bad tweeting. I know you always tell the truth. I meant you are the only one who finally says out loud, these are horrible Christmas songs. Okay, thank you, Cynthia. That makes me feel better. I was like, woof. Wow. Uh, and Henry's dad wants a dump button for the one who's got the giggles on the show. That would be Matt DeSantis. So there you go. Anyway, this, so everybody's weighing in now. It's great. Everybody's got an opinion. I love it. I will try to accommodate all of your requests over the course of the next three and a half days. So be our, we'll do our best. But we have the attention span of a gnat. So, you know, I, I will, we, will, we will do our best. The one thing we won't do is accommodate Matt DeSantis. So that, <laughs> we can all agree on that. Uh, and guys, you should really, really right now take my advice and get her something. She's going to love something beautiful. And do it now and go to pajamagram.com and buy her the naturally nude pajamas. These are beautiful, luxurious. She's going to love how they feel. You are going to love how she looks in them. And they will wrap it and ship it for you right away. And here's the best part. The naturally nude pajamas include a free matching naturally nude nightie. That's a $75 value. Yours free. She's going to be so happy. You'll be happy. Everybody wins. But you have to go to pajamagram.com right now and do it because we are at the finish line here and they always sell out before Christmas. They have beautiful colors and styles to choose from, something that she will absolutely love, great prices, and you get the free nighty. So what are you waiting for? Pajamagram.com. Do it right now. Pajamagram.com. After you place your order and they ask you how you heard about it, tell them you heard about it from me, by the way. Do it, pajamagram.com, and the naturally nude pajamas. So soft, so luxurious, so seductive. It's like wearing nothing at all. Bridget loves wearing hers. She looks beautiful in them. And your wife, your girlfriend, whoever was going to love, love the feel and the, and the look. This is why it's such a popular gift. And since they will gift wrap it and ship it right away, it takes all of the guesswork out of it and makes it super easy. So do it now. Pajamagram.com. Pajamagram.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a great one. David Bowie. Bing Crosby. Little Drummer Boy. Beautiful song. Well done. Well done. I have a story from the Atlantic. Don't subject your kids to Rudolph. The world is bleak enough as it is. 
This is a terrible op-ed. And they uh, write the story how you should not read Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You should not watch the movie Rudolph. I love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. My kids love it too. It's a great movie. What's wrong with people? We are losing our minds in society. This is a great one. <laughs> Did you see So is Babes in Toyland. That's another one, another good one too. But I can't read this because it has a paywall and I'm not paying to, 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 to the Atlantic. I'm not giving them any of my money. Can I read a line from it for you? Sure. Uh, Go ahead. Okay, this, this is from the article. It says, Santa presides over a non-union shop where underproducing elves are deprived of breaks and humiliated. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. When woke, woke touches everything, it destroys it. Those poor elves. I told you the elves were victims. I said this a couple weeks ago. The elves are victims, and uh, they are they're non-union. They're not getting $15 an hour. Poor, poor elves. I mean, we need, we need. Plus, there's no diversity, equity, and inclusion. All the elves kind of look the same. You know, it's a huge. And I huge. told you on Friday, Santa is one of the biggest tyrants in the world. The guy's got a monopoly on this. Christian share. Got the beard. He's got the cigar. He's basically Castro. <laughs> but he gives instead of takes. Uh, our Santa on Friday at the Grand Hotel was a great, great Santa Claus. I was very happy that he came and joined us for the live show on Friday in Cape May. It was very nice to see him there. So they don't want you to see Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because the, the, the elves don't make minimum wage and they're not union. Is that really what it is? Yeah, the world's bleak enough. What, and they make fun of the one because he wants to be a dentist, right? They, right? Yeah, that is in the yeah. 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 Well, being a dentist is a good career profession. I mean, just ask Dr. Mike Venary. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good choice. I'm not doubting it. It's just it's weird in the North Pole to not want to make toys. Well, you know, not everybody marches. Everybody marches to the beat of their own drummer. That's part of the theme of it. And he saves the Yeti, doesn't he? The abominable snowman. Yeah, who had a toothache. He does. He does. Well, he I'm just redemption. saying. I'm just. I'm just saying that when you're an elf, I don't think there's a whole lot of different lines of work besides toy making. That's true. Uh, although I hear Indeed.com is helping the elves find new work. <laughs> I heard that. I think I heard that somewhere. I forget exactly where. Well, keep the Christmas uh, song requests coming in. You may want to tag Henry on those tweets, but they're coming in fast and furious. Everybody's got one of their favorites, and everybody's got one they want to hear. Uh, Let's see. We got Oh Holy Night by Donna Summer. That was uh, Paul DiBartolo who came out with that one. We got John Housen. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? I think it's Band-Aid. Oh, yeah, that's the one we're not playing. Thank you, John. Uh, somebody stole my Santa Claus suit by the Christmas Jug Band. Haven't heard that one. Don't believe in Christmas by the Sonics. Marcus O'Reilly. Uh, yeah, Michael Cooper. It's the Farm Aid song. That's the one. Santa got a DWI by Sherwin Linton. Is that true? He got a DWI. <laughs> Man, put on that liquor layer to drive the sleigh. Well, I don't blame him. Actually, I mean. Yeah, Matt, Matt, you heard that terrible song during the break, and you liked it. I thought it was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, I have it here if you want to hear it. No, we don't. It. We know it and we don't want to hear it. It's here if you want it. Ed Nessa says, Simon and Garfunkel, Silent Night, the 7 o'clock news. Hmm. Uh, you know what else is good, too, is the Oak Ridge Boys Christmas album. Yeah. The Oak Ridge Boys. I said it. There I said it. 
Another snippet from the article. In Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, nothing competes with Donner's rejection of his son. Donner is horrified by the nose in a no-son-of-mine kind of way. One of the numerous readings of the show is that it is a parable about the hardship faced by gay kids in mid-century America, (laughs) many of whom were rejected by their fathers, their peers, and their teachers. Yet nobody ever thought that. That seems like nobody. That is a big reach right there. So now we're now Rudolph's gay. Is that what it is? I guess Rudolph's gay now. All right. Uh, these people, I, you got to have a lot of time to sit around and actually write something like that and define the outrage, and then take take a pen and write it down, or t- go to a keyboard and actually write this down. <laughs> People do this just for attention, right? Uh, yeah, it has to be. Another, it has to be. And put it behind a paywall. Yeah, and put it behind a paywall. As if I'm going to subscribe to read that crap, that drivel, give me a break. <laughs> Please. Another one describes, uh, another line describes Santa's um, workshop as his little forced labor camp. Well, that is true. <laughs> true. <laughs> but that same article will not criticize uh, China for their treatment of the Uyghurs. That, that they won't they won't touch that at the Atlantic. Like they'll go after Santa and his workshop, but they won't go after the Uyghurs and all the slave labor they have to perform in China or Nike and their sweatshops making their shoes and their clothes. They won't touch that one. Oh sure, but go after Santa because that's that's a real that's a big leap. You need a lot of courage there to go after Santa Claus. Am I right? <laughs> Hacks. Those same people will buy crap made in China by forced labor Uyghurs and uh, Nike sweatshops. As they're sitting around writing articles, bashing Santa's workshop. These are the very same people that go to the Ivy League. Uh, there is a great clip that was on Real Time with Bill Maher. And Walter Kim, Walter Kern, excuse me, who's a journalist, he talked about, I'm going to play this for you at 5 o'clock. He talked about students going directly from the Ivy League to the New York Times and how they're not really covering America. His, uh, his point on that is excellent as he even brings up a story that was written about Montana and again, it was when he tells the story, you realize that the, the guy who wrote the article had an agenda, went in there to do this, completely exaggerated everything, and it's a joke. Uh, it's a great interview with Bill Maher. We'll play that. I'll share that with you when we come back. As more of the criticism of the Ivy League schools comes into light, people are turning around now and saying they're rejecting early decision uh, letters from Harvard in the wake of the anti-Semitic scandal that is that has surrounded the university along with Penn and other people. And the other question too, and this is something that I think everybody's wondering as as we have these conversations is what happened with that car that smashed into Biden's motorcade and What's with the Secret Service reaction to that? I've watched the video a few times. I, I can't really figure it out. But Biden turns around and says, uh, when they ask about the polls, he says, uh, you're reading the wrong polls. So where are the polls that actually show him winning is my question. And Tammy Murphy, King Philip the Unaccountable, his royal rugness's wife, who's running for U.S. Senate. Well, you may remember something. Years ago, we talked about this a lot when I was in afternoons. It was a rape allegation made by a woman named Katie Brennan. Katie Brennan worked for Governor Phil Murphy at the time and said she was raped by an aide to her husband, Governor Phil Murphy. And it turns out that not only did Murphy's office do everything it could to cover it up, did everything they could to, uh, to, to shame Katie Brennan. We talked about this a lot back then. Well, it turns out that the first lady of New Jersey, who now wants to be U.S. Senator Tammy Murphy, she was not sympathetic in any way, shape or form to Katie Brennan. And also worked possibly to cover this up. Katie reached a $1 million settlement with the state of New Jersey 
and King Philip the Uncountable's campaign over claims that her rape allegations against another campaign staffer, Albert Alvarez, were mishandled. And he was bounced from his job in the Murphy administration when Brennan's accusations hit the media. So Katie Brennan, at the time, I remember this, was shamed by Murphy, shamed by Murphy's wife, shamed by the entire Democrat Party, but she kept fighting, and eventually she won a settlement. But like Democrats, they don't get in trouble for this stuff, right? They can do this stuff to women, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's not misogyny. It's not sexism. It's nothing like that, right? Nothing. All right, we got a big 5 o'clock hour coming up straight ahead for you. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli Chris Christie is living in a delusional world where he's going to win New Hampshire and become the nominee for president. He's not going to win New Hampshire. As calls for him to get out of the race and back Nikki Haley continue as the establishment rushes to coronate her because they know Donald Trump can win. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us Friday in Cape May. We had a lot of fun. That Democrat Senate staffer who uh, filmed a gay sex tape in the Senate room that was on Amy Klobuchar's chair, now facing charges by the Capitol Police. The police are investigating. I see them discussing it on the five. By the way, I had a a nice morning today. I was on Dana Perino's podcast, Perino on Politics. I'm not sure exactly when it'll drop, but it was nice to catch up with my friend Dana. And we chatted about politics, mostly around Pennsylvania for 2024 and what it's going to be like. And we talked about a number of issues and uh, can't wait for you to listen to it as soon as that comes out. But um, when you think about Pennsylvania, I think the big takeaway of today is that John Fetterperson has come out to distance himself from his own party, saying that he wants the border to be secure and he stands with Israel. I mean, that's how freaking nuts the Democrat Party is. But let's think about a couple things here as we uh, start this five o'clock hour and 30 minutes of nonstop talk. Here is, um, this is now the crazies in the Democrat Party, and there's a lot of them. Let's start with Pramila J. Powell, shall we? Pramila J. Powell, squad member, whack job Washington, claims that Republicans want policy so extreme that if enacted, it would literally be, well, take a listen now and remember the difference in what she's talking about, which affected actual American citizens and what she's talking about that does not affect actual American citizens Uh, Cut number six. Republicans are choosing to hold Ukraine funding hostage in exchange for cruel and unworkable immigration policy demands. Senate Democrats and the White House must not agree to these extreme demands. It is imperative that my Senate colleagues and the White House understand what is on the table are policies so extreme that if enacted, it would literally be the most exclusionary, restrictive immigration legislation since the racial quota laws of the 1920s, literally turning the clock back 100 years. What happens the next time the administration asks for more Ukraine funding or for some other must-pass bill? 
What Republican priority will they demand to extract a one-time ask? A nationwide abortion ban, perhaps? Gut Medicare and Social Security? Destroy public education? Strip voting rights? We would say no to those things. We should say no to this as well. See how nuts that is? Now, first of all, racial quota laws, which the left loves to stream about, were something that Democrats pushed. Woodrow Wilson, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, other people. Uh, you don't hear about that, though, in, in school. They don't, they don't teach you about that stuff. But that's beside the point. Uh, when Democrats impose racial quota laws that hurt American citizens, and things like affirmative action, that sort of thing, college admissions, those kind of quota laws, those are also racial quota laws they hurt american citizens though but they don't care about that that for them that's a good that's a good purpose that's a good purpose there's nothing about what the united states is doing right now that is any way shape or form a racial quota law but it what they want to do is secure the border so what the democrats always do is they try to deflect and and distract everybody and say oh well listen actually by securing the border you're imposing this american purity test and you're just like hitler there is not a country in the world that has an open border like the United States does. Not, not one. You can't find, find it. Try to find it. All these countries that the left screams about and loves, like Palestine, for example, uh, which is not actually a country, but try to, try to just walk in. Try to walk into Iran. See how that works out for you. I would just walk into Iran and just be like, hey, how you doing? Just cross the border. Just want to say hello. And hey, how's it going? You can't do that in France. You can't do that in, 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 in almost every country in the world. You just can't come in and you're not allowed to just overstay your visa. If you are allowed in, you have to leave. And if you don't leave, you're committing a federal crime in those countries. But this is the game. This is the fantasy that America has to be the quote unquote melting pot. So therefore we have open borders. We've never had open borders in this country ever. Immigration is something that has always been to help the United States of America achieve certain things. We had different laws that we used in place where we wanted certain people from certain countries for various reasons, uh, mostly about labor and that sort of thing. But nevertheless, leave that out of it. All we're trying to do is secure the southern border. That's it. And now Democrats are trying to do the old thing again about how somehow that's racist. This has led to Pennsylvania Senator, Senate Democrat John Fetterperson literally coming out to take time out of his day to let everybody know that he does not agree with that. That's how freaking nuts these people sound. That's what they sound. They sound like crazy people. Now, the question becomes, how much is this, of this issue is going to help the Republican nominee in 2024? I think it's going to be huge. I think people have had it with the border. I think they've had it. I think they've decided that it is absolutely uh, infuriating. The lawlessness and watching this happen. You've got Democrat mayors like Eric Adams calling out the administration. You have the, the, the governor of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, allegedly sending troops to the border, National Guard troops. I don't know if she really is or not, but... And you have Fetterman speaking out. So everybody realizes what the problem is, but the extremists have taken over the Democrat Party. So that's how that goes. The question is, who are the Republicans going to back? So first of all, here's Chris Christie talking about his big plans here. What's going to happen for Chris Christie? This is his this is his swan song here. Same strategy he had in 2016. Same exact strategy. I'm going to win New Hampshire and be the nominee. He didn't, and he's not going to, but it's the same exact strategy he had back then. Cut 16. You have the chance to come out here and meet all of us and judge us by looking us in the eye and listening to us. And then don't go try to figure out who's going to win. Decide who you want to win. And then go and make that happen for that person. Because I will tell you this. If I win the primary here in New Hampshire, then it's going to come down to me, Donald Trump, and Nikki Haley. That's what's going to come down to me. 
I win this primary, I'm going to be the nominee. If I'm the nominee, I will beat Joe Biden. And then we're going to go to a whole new era in our politics in this country. And there'll be four words ringing in my head when I take the oath of office on January 20th of 2025. Thank you, New Hampshire. Yeah, it didn't work in 2016, and it's not going to work now. I think Chris Christie's only staying in the race at this point because Chris Christie wants to play offense or defense, depending on it, for Nikki Haley. Although he's also called out Nikki Haley, but they called out Trump in 2016, too, so you never know. But just to show you my point about how the establishment is now rushing to try to, to surround themselves with Nikki Haley, not because they think Trump can't win, but because they think Trump can win, here is that vile waste of space from the New York Times, David Brooks, who at one point pretended to be a phony conservative, along with Washington Post columnist Ruth Marcus and Anna Nawez to discuss the 2016 election. Listen to what Brooks is saying here. This is what the establishment wants now. Cut number 11. David, do you see anything, anything in that field changing between now and the time the Iowa caucuses begin? No, probably not. Um, you know, I, I, we are always waiting. Well, once campaigning starts in Iowa, then the numbers will begin to move around. And so campaigning has started and the numbers are not moving around. If anything, Donald Trump is doing even better. Yeah. Uh, and so and one of the little statistics that leapt out of me is among people, Iowans who've never been to a caucus. So political novices, basically. Trump, I saw, was winning by them by 62 or 63 percent. So he's like swamping people, like he's bringing in new people. Bringing in new folks, too. Yeah. Uh, and so he just looks very formidable in Iowa. He's bringing in new people, and he's got an operation for how to run the caucuses that was very amateurish um, last time around, and that is much better um, last time around being 2016. Um, when he had a contested primary, um, and it's going to be much better now. It's like kind of a preview of, um, heaven forbid, a second Trump term. He's getting smarter at doing this, and I, I don't think there's any reason to expect that he's not going to be, not going to win the caucuses and not going to be the Republican nominee. There was a conversation we had several months ago, I haven't heard in a while, about eventually if enough people wanted to stop him from becoming the nominee, they had to drop out, they had to coalesce behind a single candidate. Has that moment come and gone, David? Well, and I was the- He's over 50 percent, so it's yeah. sort of an academic argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think it would be useful for Chris Christie to drop out right now uh, and give Nikki Haley some kind of shot in New Hampshire. Um, and it's just, if somebody pointed out, it's a rerun of 2016. It's uh, too late. It's just too, it's too late. The, the math is, is it's not going to work. It, it's over. Uh, their time to do that was a long time ago. But these people all have giant egos and they all think they could be president. And so they missed the boat. That's it. I mean, it's just a reality. They're acknowledging it too. They're acknowledging, you know, you heard it. You heard them say it. I'm not like a Trump sycophant. I don't have to be. I'm just looking at the numbers. And even those people on the panel acknowledge what I'm telling you. But that, that is what the establishment wants. They want, to, they want to coalesce around Nikki Haley now. They want her to be the nominee. They want everybody else out of the race. But if you're Ron DeSantis at this point, and you're still, you still are in second place in Iowa, even though Haley apparently now has, is in second place in New Hampshire, why would you go anywhere at this point? You're already, you're already this far down the road. You might as well stick it out. You might as well stay in. So I don't, I don't foresee DeSantis getting out to help Nikki Haley. I don't see Haley getting out to help DeSantis. So the rest of the other ones are all, they're all irrelevant. They don't, they don't add up to anything. You, nothing stops Trump at this point. Nothing. Nothing stops him from becoming the nominee, barring some 
existential thing that is outside the realm of the universe that that is 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 outside of everybody's control and i don't mean jail and i don't mean a a, a guilty verdict i don't mean those things because that's not going to do it i mean alien abduction death by the abominable snowman something that extreme that's it that's all you got and they know this and they're panicking and yeah they probably should have at some point all coalesced around one candidate but that it's too late for that it's too late And now the question becomes, how do you stop Trump? And the fear that Trump is going to be a dictator, that he's going to stop, suspend the Constitution, that he's going to put people into labor camps, he's never going to leave the White House, he's going to be Hitler. If he was going to do all those things, why didn't he do it his first term? You know, if you want to be a dictator and you know that your term is coming to an end because, well, in your mind, you believe you were cheated from it, but either way, there's a date when you got to vacate the White House, but you're, you're, you're there, you're the president. Why don't... Why not do it then? See, this is what I can't understand about this argument. I mean, imagine it's me. It's, it's January 2021, and my, my Mussolini-like instincts are taking over because I'm obviously Italian. I might be related to the guy for all we know. And I decide, you know what? I'm not going anywhere. Call me old Duque. I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here, all right? I got the military on my side. I call him up and say, I'm not leaving. If you're going to do it, that's the chance to do it. If you're, why would you... If you're, if you're a dictator... What dictator has actually left and then tried to come back for the purposes of being a dictator? Dictators don't leave. That's why they're dictators. Dictators stay in power until they're either overthrown or uh, they have an illegitimate love child who becomes the prime minister of Canada. They don't go anywhere. Oh, did that get through the censors? Nice. Boom. See that? DeSantis isn't even paying attention. That's a win right there, Henry. You see that? I'm listening. I'm listening. That's a win. That's a win. You missed it, didn't you? I, I actually did not hear what you said. You see, you didn't hear. You're no, I was queuing up the audio. I said dictators me. never leave. They stay in office until they're overthrown or they have an illegitimate love child who becomes the prime minister of Canada. <laughs> it could be anybody. It could be anybody. It's a hypothetical, hypothetical uh, situation, I'm saying. Yeah, I think Purely the lawyer, hypothetical. The lawyers will probably let that slide. All right, so the censors did not get activated for that. Yeah. I like that. That's good. <laughs> anyway, your, your clip is it's queued up and ready. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, so dictators don't leave. So that's the point. I mean, why, if you're going to be a dictator, be a dictator. Don't wait to be a dictator. Don't procrastinate. When you have power, you seize power and you don't let it go. When have you ever heard of a dictator that had power and was like, ah, I'm going to give it up. And then I'm going to fight like hell to get it back. So then I can be the dictator. Dictators when they have power, they seize it. But everybody's saying Trump's going to be a dictator. He was the president. He had the power and he didn't become a dictator. So why do you think he's going to do it this time around? It, it makes no sense. And it, it, it doesn't, it defies logic, of course. But here's a conversation with former RNC chairman Reince Priebus and former Democrat National Committee chairwoman Donna Brazil debating this on ABC's This Week, Cut 15. Mr. Chairman, let me just say this. <laughs> You're talking about taking millions of people off their health care, which is Donald Trump. He is pledged to do that. That's blood. That is blood. You're talking about suspending the United States Constitution, something that Donald Trump has said. Yeah, look, I get the anger part. I get the I get the I get the people who are frustrated with crime. I get the fact that the border need more agents need more technology, the White House, more technology. But you know what I don't get? I don't get the fact that you're willing to stand up for someone who's praising dictators. Listen, as he I'm did, not willing to is, stand up. Who Listen, is hungry to get what back I'm what doing you're doing here, Donna? Okay, is I am telling you 
what the reality on the ground is. Right. And there's 100,000 people in five states that are going to decide this election. And if you can convince me that those 100,000 people are worried about Donald Trump suspending the Constitution, uh, you know, look, even though he has said that on multiple but, occasions, but you have to be able well, to convince people that are voting that that, that he means is, what he says. But well, then if that's what your if that's what your case is, sure. But, but you if you really think that it's not him, that this president. The president, you say that Democrats will not walk on glass. Well, they'll go through fire we'll see. to protect the we'll, Constitution. We'll see. They will right. go through fire <laughs> we'll to see. defend the fire. They're going through right. fire to see if Democrats will not protect the Constitution that they want to destroy. They hate the Constitution. What are you, who are you kidding? Uh, but it's interesting. The reason why I wanted you to hear that is Donna Brazil just showed you everything the Democrats have in their playbook, which is Trump is going to destroy the Constitution. He's a dictator. Blah, 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 blah. That's it. They have nothing, and they know there's no enthusiasm for Biden, so it's entirely motivating people out of fear. But in order for people to be motivated by fear, they have to believe it. They have to believe in the scary thing, and they don't. I told you that last week when James Carville's group looked at polling data and found out that voters, including Democrats, believe the Democrat Party is more extreme, and Trump and the Republicans would do a better job of protecting democracy. So I can't scare you if it's not if it's not scary. I can't scare you if you don't believe in the monster. I can tell you there's a monster under your bed. If you don't believe it, you're not going to be afraid. You're going to go to bed. And that's the reality. These people can not scare people because they don't believe it. People don't believe it. The guy was already president. They tried this in 2016. The same arguments, same talking points. Trump was going to blow up the world. He was never going to leave office. He was going to be a dictator. He's going to be the next Hitler. Uh, put journalists in concentration camps. Blah, blah, blah. It didn't happen. So if he was going to do it, he was going to do it then. They didn't do those things. That's why you can't convince people that the scary monster is real this time around. It's, like, it's the equivalent of going to see the, the sequel to the bad B-horror movie that didn't scare you the first time. And now believing that this time around, it's really going to be scary. No, it's not. You know that the, the villain is not really this scary monster. You saw the first movie. This is the sequel. And now if they try to, if, 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 what, are you, you're going to be afraid of seeing the sequel even though you laughed at the first one because it turns out it wasn't scary. It was actually funny. What did Trump do in his first term that actually scared anybody? Nothing. But this is, this is the point. You know what actually scares people though in this country? What Bill Malusian reported from the southern border. Authorities are suspending railway operations at the southern border to free up agents to help with the flood of illegal immigration. This actually scares people. They think our country is being invaded. They think this is going to have major, major consequences. They see it with their own eyes. That's why Ryan's previous said you have Democrats suing the White House right now, making, tr- trying to force the White House to do something about the border situation. Cut number two. Take a live look at our Fox News drone over in Eagle Pass. They have had another mass illegal crossing out there. You can see hundreds upon hundreds of illegal immigrants waiting for processing there. You might be able to see a bridge off in the background. That is where the trains come in. Well, CBP has announced they are suspending railway operations to move CBP officers down into the field to help Border Patrol with processing. In other words, Harris, they're shutting down international commerce in order to help speed up processing of these migrants many of them again will be released and back out here live Mm -hmm. december is traditionally one of the slowest months at our southern border but uh, the border patrol union tells us right now their numbers show they are on track to potentially have the highest single month of arrest they have ever had at our southern border yeah you know that actually scares people right there it does i'm telling you it does that's it 
That's what scares people. Now, I, I think Lindsey Graham's full of it. I'm not a fan of his, as you know, and I think all of his fear-mongering and everything, but he's probably not wrong on the fact that people probably think this and probably really do worry about this as another factor in the border when we have all these people on the terror watch list who are coming in. I don't really spend much time at night worried about another 9-11, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing the fact that people do really worry about that stuff. Maybe Lindsey Graham's point about this is, uh, is, is accurate. Uh, cut number three. Can you bring us up to speed? What's the very latest? Do you okay. think there's going to be a deal before the new year? Uh, no, I think uh, this will go into next year. I've been talking to the people at the table. Um, the White House got engaged five days ago. They sent over a supplemental with border security provisions that did nothing to change policy. We've been talking to them since September. Five days ago, they finally sat at this table. Senator Lankford's doing a good job. Uh, the bottom line here is uh, we feel like we're being jammed. We're not anywhere close to a deal. It'll go into next year. And let me tell you why it's important to get a good border security deal. What Congressman Castro said was pretty offensive. According to the FBI director last week, he's never seen more, more threats to the homeland than he does today. Wherever he looks, he sees blinking lights. The border has been obliterated since January 21 till now. Uh, we've had 6 million people come to date. There are 3.6 million on schedule to come this year alone. The policy choices of the Biden administration has made the border a dangerous place to come to. America is under threat, according to the FBI director, since October the 7th. Uh, jihadist groups want to attack us because we're helping Israel. I've never been more worried about a 9-11 than I am right now, and our border has been obliterated, and we're not going to give in on some uh, Band-Aid fix. Fight. Fight like hell to get an actual border security bill. Please, I beg of you, fight like hell to get an actual border security bill and don't parse language with asylum and refugees and nonsense that the courts are just not going to uphold anyway. Uh, Road Warrior sent this clip. I got to give him credit because if I don't, I'll hear about it on Twitter, obviously. So Road Warrior, thank you for sending me this clip. I appreciate it. All right. <laughs> thank you, Road Warrior. Got to make sure he gets his proper attribution, Matt DeSantis. He'll get very angry otherwise. Very angry. He was so angry he boycotted Kate May on Friday. I don't even know what I did. Uh, here is U.S. Senator John Fetterperson talking about something I mentioned to you earlier in the show. I'll talk about it again at 6 o'clock hour about U.S. Steel up outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Take a listen. I'm standing on the roof of my home right here in Braddock, Pennsylvania, right across the street from the Edgar Thompson plant. And I just have to say it's absolutely outrageous that they have sold themselves to a foreign nation and a company. Can't do that. Steel is always about security as well, too. And I am committed to doing anything I can do from using my platform or my position in order to block this. And I'm going to fight for the steel workers and their union way of life here as well, too. And we cannot ever allow them to be screwed over or left behind. It's it's the question Road Warrior asks, is this guy on our side? I got to wonder, maybe it is a body double that John Fetterperson has. Maybe it's not really John Fetterperson anymore. Maybe the body double has taken over, like in the movie Dave. In the movie Dave, they have a body double who essentially winds up infiltrating his own politics into the president's agenda. 
because he's he's much more of a uh, of a lefty than the president is. And that's why his whole platform becomes finding a job for every American, which shocks all the president's aides and everything like that. Maybe this is the same case like the movie Dave. Here's John Fetterperson's body double, who turns out he's more conservative than John Fetterperson. And now he's actually putting in those policies like he wants to secure borders, stand with Israel, and he wants to uh, block the acquisition of U.S. steel from a foreign company. It's very possible. Sometimes life imitates art or art imitates life or whatever it is. Maybe both. Maybe both is happening at the same time. But I would not rule that out because I definitely do think that John Fetterperson has a body double. Even though he's denied it, it certainly seems like the body double is more conservative than him has taken over. Or whatever medication they gave him after the stroke is now at least causing him to at least maybe think more critically about certain things that he knows are important to the voters of Pennsylvania. Maybe, in other words, he's, he's actually thinking like a pragmatic politician. That's certainly possible, no doubt about that. Uh, when it comes to these snarky little millennials and other people, Gen Zers, who graduate from these Ivy League schools, and then they wind up getting jobs as journalists. There was a great segment on Real Time with Bill Maher over the weekend, and I, I thought this was fantastic. Walter Kern, who's a journalist... Explain the importance of going to work at a small newspaper before taking a job at a large newspaper like the New York Times, which, of course, the New York Times is a joke. Uh, It really is. And the story he tells about this, about what the New York Times wrote about his home state of Montana, is very telling in terms of how the corporate media, the left, approaches things with an agenda preset in mind. And then they work to build a story that proves that agenda, even though it's a bunch of B.S., Cut 12. Apropos of our discussion of what you can and can't do anymore. And so he put out a, a thing in The Economist this week called New, the New York, When the New York Times Lost Its Way. He said local newspapers were that used to be the proving ground between college campuses and national newsrooms. In other words, a kid would get out of college, go do the local newspaper, and then go on. If you did well, you got scooped up by the New York Times or some paper like that. Now you go right from Harvard which is where, by the way, the Boston mayor, she went to Harvard. And I think we've looked under the rock at Harvard recently. <laughs> but does this make sense to you, that you need that training and the local newspaper, and when they come right from the Ivy League, that's why we have papers that he thinks lost their way? Sure. I mean, I come from a town that had one of the smallest daily local papers, the population 7,000. We had a paper every day. Um, they would send reporters from, I remember I had a friend from Brown University who came to town. I said, you know, very sophisticated kid. I said, what are you doing here? He says, I'm going to learn to report. And, uh, you know, he went down to the police station. He went to the bar. He met everybody in the town. And he got out his notebook and he learned the human side of things. And, yeah, he moved up. He, he ultimately owned a paper. So, you know, that minor league is really important if you want to learn your fundamentals. And uh, people who think that all reporting is done by Twitter and on Twitter, Twitter, uh, and go straight from the bubble of the Ivy League to the bubble of the New York Times, right. aren't really covering America. They're well, yeah. covering their friend set. He says, he says the Times... He says the Times is becoming the publication through which America's progressive elite talks to itself about an America that does not really exist. There was a story he winds up telling about how they wanted to write how Montana was being infiltrated by these extreme Christians. And he says, you know, I live in Montana. And part of that they used as their as their data point, and the reporter was in town for a couple of days, was how far 
Native Americans have to travel from their Indian reservations to go vote. He said it's Montana. Everybody has to travel long distances to go vote. This isn't some coordinated conspiracy to keep Indians from voting. It's Montana. It's a big, wide open state. And sometimes you have to drive a long way to vote. But that's not the point, though. The point that he was making is that they went in there to write a story about how Montana is this right wing, radical, Christian, domestic violence, extremist state. And here's proof of that. And the analogy that they gave is so stupid that if they if the reporter had actually spent actual time there, they would know it was stupid. But the New York Times goes in. They send a guy in there for a weekend, probably not even a full weekend, probably like 36 hours, pay a couple of his, uh, of his, of his meal tickets, writes a story. And then look, now a red state looks bad and looks racist and hateful and blah, blah, blah. It's the agenda. It's what the corporate media does. It's something I tell you about all the time. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Dr. Mike Venaria, great guy, great friend of the show, and the master of dental implants. How about this? As you think about your Christmas break coming up, why not do something for yourself? Give yourself the gift of a beautiful smile. Make an appointment to see Dr. Mike Venaria. He is the master of dental implants. And for 10 consecutive years, he has been named top dentist in New Jersey because of the great work that he does. With two offices to serve you in Cinnamon and in Woodbury, it's easy to get to Dr. Mike and to see him and get the smile you deserve. I'm telling you right now, he's a great guy. It's why he's my dentist. And my whole family goes to Dr. Mike. He handles general dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, pain-free root canal treatment if necessary, and of course, complicated dental implants. That's really his specialty, and he does them better than anybody. Complicated dental implants. If you've had a quote for extensive dental work, please get a second opinion by reaching out to my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Just go to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. The people in the office are great. The staff is great. The music's great. And care is their utmost concern. There's a lot of these chain dental offices out there. And I'm telling you right now, the chain dental offices, they are obsessed with one thing, and that is their bottom line. You need the guy who is going to be there for you when it comes to care. So please reach out to him today. Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, VenariaDental.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. What is what is this? What what is this? Caller call off request this. It was uh, Mike and Landenberg, and wow, what a what a request! This is incredible. Oh, it's made my day. <laughs> is this Weird Al? No, this is Bob Rivers. Very funny, actually. We have uh, other people requesting songs like "Mercy Me's God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen," like Beth. Asked us to play, but we're playing this one. There's <laughs> a lot of requests out there. Please tag me in them so I see it. That's all. Christmas by Donny Hathaway. The OJ's Christmas just ain't Christmas, but this one's pretty funny too, though. I like that. So what's it called again? I am Santa Claus by Bob Rivers. <laughs> very funny. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well done. Well done. Well, we have from now until 
our 90-minute show on Thursday to get as much of these in as we possibly can. So the best thing to do is to tag Henry or call the show because I have no I have no pull here. I have zero sway. All I can really do is veto Matt DeSantis's, uh <laughs> recommendations. Yeah, like I'm 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 acting like Santa Claus here. I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice here with all the songs. So yeah, yeah. tag me in if you want to hear it played. Yeah, I've gotten everything I've requested has been rejected thus far. Yeah, as it should be because all of yours are these mainstream, quote unquote, hits that people have been hearing now for the last nine weeks and they want to crash their car every time it comes on. <laughs> people like the classics. No, no. Not after four or five weeks of playing them over and over again. <clears throat> you got to do Zat You Santa, though. Okay. You got to do it. I'm putting it on the list. Because I love that one. If I had suggested that, there's no way he would have put it on the list. You didn't suggest it. Somebody else did. I'm Somebody means saying. a lot more to me than you do. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> uh, another email from what's her name? Yeah, you gotta get reprimanded. <laughs> Sally's gonna send another email. So mean. Uh, I was gonna mention. I was gonna mention. Um, let's see here now. Oh yeah, the. Uh, this baseball player, we talked about this guy last week, uh, Shohei Otani. Is that right? Yes. He could save $98 million by dodging California's state income taxes with his unusual eye-popping contract. He signed a 10-year contract this week with the Los Angeles Dodgers, who promised to pay him an eye-popping $700 million. But unlike most sports contracts, $700 million won't be doled out over the 10-year term of the deal. And as a result, both Otani and the Dodgers are poised to dodge some of the taxes they might otherwise be obligated to pay on the record-breaking deal. He's going to collect $2 million in each of the next 10 years. The rest of his $68 million salary will be deferred for a decade, and the Dodgers will owe it to him in annual installments starting in 2034. By the time Otani collects the last of those payments, he'll be 49 years old and retired. Because he's playing most of the games in high-tax California, taking most of his pay via what's effectively a fixed annuity gives him the possibility of avoiding some massive tax payments. By the time he starts receiving the $68 million payments, he may be able to avoid state income taxes by living someplace else like Florida without an income tax or by moving back to Japan. It's a beautiful, beautiful way to avoid paying taxes, and I say bravo. California has the country's highest state income tax rates. The top marginal rate is currently 13.3%, including a special 1% tax on income over a million dollars. And the rate is set to rise to 14.4% next year. By taking most of his pay and what's effectively a fixed annuity rather than giving it all out in his paycheck, Otani could save as much as $98 million in state taxes if he relocates out of California by 2034. Wow. The report also highlights how dependent California is on high-earning individuals, the same people the state seems determined to keep driving away by hiking taxes. The amount of income... The amount of income tax Otani could save annually by changing his residence in 2033 is equivalent to the total tax liability of the bottom 1.78 million tax filers in 2021. Wow. He's a talented guy and he's certainly, uh, you know, good for him. I always say you should try to earn as much as you possibly can in life and try to give the government the least amount of money you possibly can. 
Of course, in Major League Baseball has what's called the luxury tax, which is a redistributionist scheme that is meant to limit how much money richer clubs spend on players in the name of maintaining competitive balance. The luxury tax applies to teams with payrolls that exceed a level determined annually by Major League Baseball. Teams that exceed the threshold pay a 22.5% tax on every payroll dollar above the threshold, and the percentage of the tax escalates for teams that exceed the threshold in consecutive seasons. The luxury tax threshold for next season is $237 million. So the good news for him is that by structuring it this way, uh, he gets to avoid that as well, which is good. But that's the, uh, I mean, that's the thing. The, uh, you know, California is a great, is a great case study in this. They hate rich people, but they need them. So they tax them to death and then they say, I'm leaving because I want to keep more of my money. And then what happens? They keep raising taxes on people. And then this becomes a vicious cycle that these these blue wacko states never seem to learn. And then states like Florida, which does not rely on doing that, uh, gets people from California with lots of money to come and move there. And then they spend their money there buying things and going out to dinner and buying more things. And then everybody wins. But that's the concept that blue states cannot figure out. It's why nobody retires in New Jersey. That's why people wind up leaving. You know, and they, where do they go? They go to Florida. They maintain their residency down there. I don't know very many people who dream of retiring in, say, New Jersey, for example. And not just because it's Jersey, but also because of the taxes. So they leave. And this happens over and over again. Uh, the the uh, investigation into the gay sex video that was shot in the Senate office chambers and the fact that the mean, mean Republicans are just trying to vilify this man for making a gay porno in a Senate uh, committee room this story is just absolutely fantastic. So this snarky guy winds up filming this video and then he's now facing all kinds of investigations, potential charges and everything like that. It's an insurrection of another kind. That's for sure. And uh, the, the, the way that they're trying to spin this now, the left is, is that if you don't, if you think this was wrong for the guy to do by filming a gay sex tape in a Senate committee room, you just really don't like gay people. That's just really what it comes down to. All right? That's just really what it comes down to. You just don't like it. I mean, this was art. Please. But truly, the Democrats were happy this happened because for an entire weekend, they didn't have to talk about Joe Biden's poll numbers. They were able to talk about something else. They were. They were able to talk about something else. They could talk about a gay porn video in a Senate room. And they were they were okay with it. They 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 really were. They were they were okay with it happening. Uh, there was no there was no spin around it other than mean Republicans don't like this. That was basically it. That was their whole that was their whole spin. Uh, speaking of this gender nonsense, multiple New Jersey school districts are scrapping their transgender policies. The state policy directed school staff to hide students' gender from parents. Well, now uh, more school districts in the state are turning around and they are saying no, and they are rejecting this guidance from the state of New Jersey. Originally, the state of New Jersey told them it was mandatory. They said, you have to keep parents in the dark about the kid's transgender identity. You can't tell parents. So if Bobby comes to school and says he's Susie, uh, you have to keep the parents in the dark. Well, when the state did that, they said it was mandatory. It turns out it was guidance, not mandatory. And now more and more school districts are pushing back on this and saying, uh, we're not doing that. Parents have a right to know. We're going to let the parents know because we are not going to cover up something that could be a true mental health crisis for these children and something that with a little bit of intervention, we can actually do something to protect them from future harm for themselves. 
So I'm glad to see that happening. When I did the podcast today with Dana Perino, which is now uh, live, and I just tweeted out a link to it, she asked me at the very end of the interview, what is one of the biggest things I'm hearing? And I keep telling her, it, it's, it, it, it is no doubt about it. Schools and school boards are a big issue. And if people think that suburban moms and suburban dads, even the more moderate types, are okay with the transgender policies in schools, they're wrong. They don't want their little girl losing out competing to a biological dude. They don't want a bio dude in the locker room. They don't want a bio dude walking around with, a, with an insurrection all day in the sorority house. They don't want these things. And they also don't want to be kept in the dark about their kids, about anything. They don't want that either. So mark my words, this issue is a good issue for Republicans. They should embrace it, not run from it. And they should say it's all about protecting children and parental rights. It's a big issue for them and they should embrace it. Don't run away from it. Don't fall into the trap of listening to the corporate media and big tech and the nonsense and believing that you're on the wrong side of this issue. Uh, You're not. The, the, the game that's played, of course, is to always pretend like the majority stands with the crazies and the whack jobs, but the majority does not stand with the crazies and the whack jobs. It's just that the crazies and the whack jobs have very, very loud voices. When these school boards are asked a question, parents turn around and say, what do you mean you're going to keep me in the dark about my own kid? My, my child could be having some serious mental health crisis going on. There could be drugs, could be alcohol, could be, could be lots of different things. I need to know about it. I got to deal with it. The argument that King Philip the Unaccountable and these other blue state governors will use is, well, you know, you're going to beat the kids or something like that. No, you're not. Stop it. Guys, listen, now is the time to get your wife, your girlfriend, the love of your life, something so beautiful she's going to love and be so grateful for. I'm talking about the naturally nude pajamas of pajamagram.com. Pajamagram.com. That's where you want to go right now. You'll get the free naturally nude nighty. It's a $75 value. Yours free at pajamagram.com. All you got to do is go there today. They'll wrap it for you and ship it. You'll get it right away. She's going to love how it feels on her. You're going to love how it looks on her. Soft, silky, luxurious, way more uh, more comfortable than lingerie with a wonderful uh, fit to it. And the free Naturally Nude 90, it's a home run. So just go to pajamagram.com, order the Naturally Nude pajamas. You're running out of time though. So you got to do it now right now do it right now don't wait do it now pajamagram.com pajamagram.com thanks for listening to the seoli show podcast from talk radio 1210 wpht and the odyssey app that good job, right? my legs feel like, like strong yeah. Yeah. it's not a song you my, hear beat to death either my. play it all the time kindly no. will you reply is that you Santa Claus? no you armstrong is that you sent? I had never heard that song because somebody uh, requested it last year and it became one of my favorites. And then this year I couldn't remember what it was. Now, now we know. See that? We're also the, uh, the, uh, the natives are angry, as they say. Already getting blasted by the greater Chris for what we're not playing. We're getting in trouble for what we're not playing. Usually in radio, they, they, uh, they, you get in trouble for the stuff. You, you don't get in trouble for the stuff you don't play, but it's the opposite on this show. <laughs> what the hell is happening over there? Bob Rivers, play some Dino, Johnny Mathis, Nat King Cole, Frank, Perry Como, something. I said, we'll get there, okay? We'll get there. It's a long week. There's plenty we'll of breaks there. to come back from, plenty of songs to play. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll hit all the good the ones. Yeah, it's only the first day we started doing this. And we, as usual, we didn't have a plan. It wasn't like we started to formulate anything. We don't ever discuss anything before the show. That's true. So we do everything in the middle of the show. 
Literally. It's better that way. Yeah, it is better that way. Like the spontaneity. <clears throat> and we also try to, uh, to to make this Yoli Army happy with requests, but there's a lot coming in. We don't. We can't meet all. We can't. We can't do all of them, obviously. But I think we learned a lesson here. Next year, if we are at the Grand Hotel for Christmas time again, we need to do Christmas carols. We need to get a we need to get a band there or somebody sing Christmas carols. We need to do it right. You know what I mean? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, got to do it right. We had Santa but, Claus there though. That was exciting. He even Santa wore his Claus Zioli was great. T-shirt. I sat on his lap and everything. And he wore a Zioli show T-shirt. Santa wore a Zioli Army shirt at the end of the uh, at the end of the night. That's how things had progressed. You know what I mean? <laughs> It was wonderful. It was great. It's quite an endorsement. You, you know, Santa Claus endorses the show. It doesn't get any bigger than that. No, no. And, and, and Santa is real. And the United States Postal Service confirmed that in Miracle on 34th Street. And Santa endorsed the show. He's a member of the Zioli Army. And there you go. Uh, Santa endorsement around Christmas time, nothing bigger. Maybe, you know, in summer, it's not that big a deal. But middle of December, uh, that's a big get. Yeah, this time of year. I want to, um, speaking as we're doing the social media check-in from our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter, Brian Glass, my Marvel advisor slash DC advisor, he said, um, with regards to Die Hard being a Christmas movie, here's why. A strange couple on the verge of divorce gather for one last Christmas, face adversity, and are reconciled as a result. It's a beautiful Christmas message. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun too. I mean, it's a beautiful story of redemption. Christmas movie, don't you think? Just screams happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and don't forget at the end of the movie when they're walking out of Nakatomi Plaza, uh, they do sing, well, the weather outside is frightful. So, <laughs> What about all the carnage during the course of the film? That's not all that, you know, Christmassy. I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of... We still fight wars during Christmas. We still have battles on Christmas. Last time I checked, George Washington crossed the Delaware on Christmas <laughs> Eve. That is true. You know, because the Hessians all were getting drunk. Typical Germans, right? They had no idea it was coming. Boom. That would be an interesting Christmas movie. I'm surprised no one has created it yet. Well, <clears throat> the... Uh, the thought was for somebody to, uh, based on that video that was filmed by that Senate staffer, an insurrection of another kind could be the title of that movie. Oh, oh pass. I don't think I'll yeah, see that one. it's kind of gross, actually. Yeah. It's a baller move, though. It is a baller move, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, he can't get caught. I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah, the only thing. Not get caught, he posted it everywhere. Yeah, that's that's just stupid. Yeah. That's yeah. plain stupid. Well, you know, videos tend to follow you. It's, you know... Yeah. I mean, he obviously did it on purpose. He wanted it to be out there, and it's out there. Oh, it's out there. <laughs> it's out there, that's for sure. Poor Amy Klobuchar. I never thought I'd say that, but poor Amy Klobuchar. You got to get a new seat. You got you to gotta take that seat out and burn it. Yeah, there's I, no way. There's no. You can't save that seat. You know what I mean? No. Typically, I'm against government spending, but in this instance, I'm with you, Rich. Throw that chair out and go get yourself a new one. Get yourself a new one, period. Even if it costs $42,000, it's worth it. (laughs) It's worth it. It's a lot of money for a chair. It's a lot. Well, it's the government. That's true. The government doesn't buy anything cheap, you know? 
That's the problem. All right, so we have a big fourth and final hour coming up. Going into uh, Brother James. Brother James Biden and his corruption and why all this matters around Joe Biden. Plus, uh, more on the border crisis that's happening right now uh, in the southern United States of America. Tell you what Texas is doing about it uh, and why this is an issue that definitely matters. Plus, you know, if you are thinking to yourself, um, Hunter Biden, you know, is this a product of bad parenting? It's a good question, and it's a question that we should ask ourselves as parents. How do we make sure that, uh, I always say there are two jobs as a parent. Number one, Chris Rock's wisdom, keep her off the pole. And number two, if you got a son, make sure he doesn't end up like Hunter Biden. These are two of your jobs as parents. So was it bad parenting? Was it enabling by Joe Biden? Was he not being a tough enough role model? Or is, is this Hunter just full of crap and this is all just him whiny, victim blaming? And actually, Joe Biden was the best dad ever because he helped his son get really, really rich. We'll talk about that in our fourth and final hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. And on the free Odyssey app. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, Rich Zioli. So what does it mean when Obama says Joe Biden can't win? How bad is that for Joe Biden? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. It is our fourth and final hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here today as we kick off a long week, actually, for, for me. I don't know. Maybe it's a short week for you. I don't know. I hope so. But uh, tomorrow night and Wednesday night, I'll be filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, doing Dana Lash's show and this show as well. But we have a kind of an abbreviated schedule because of basketball later in the week. But we'll we'll talk about that as we get closer. But anyway, it's uh, oh, it's a fun time of year. Obviously, my kids are super excited, fired up. Uh, the elf on the shelf. He has been good lately about getting to a different spot on the shelf. I'm happy about that fact because obviously when the elf does not do his job and uh, winds up coming back to the exact same spot as the night before, kids start asking questions. And uh, I've had a sit-down chat with Fred the Elf. And I sat him down and said, listen, not for nothing, but, you know, need you to, you know, suck it up. Be like elf up here, you know, elf up. And when you come back from the North Pole after ratting out the kids and dropping dimes on them, you know, because you're a snitch, and snitches get stitches, you know, but uh, snitches get shelves. Get a shelf. It's a different shelf, though. You know, move it around. I know you go up to the North Pole, you party with the elves and Santa, you drop dimes, you kept a couple drinks, shots, hot toddies, whatever, eggnog. But you got you to gotta get back here in time for, uh, for them to wake up, and you got to be on a different shelf. I think that's reasonable. I think Fred and I had a good chat. I think we made a lot of progress. So, so far, so good. That's good, too. The other thing that I, I want to mention is, um, you know, as the kids get excited for Christmas coming, and it always is a wonderful time of year to have small children. I have, a, as you know, a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a three-year-old. Uh, it's also a great time to remind them that Santa is watching. Santa is really the state in this capacity, you know. Uh, just get them get going on surveillance at a young age. 
Hey, listen, Santa is the modern day Section 702 of the FISA Act. So you better be good for goodness sake. Just saying. Oh, and we watched the Christmas Chronicles Friday night. Kurt Russell plays Santa Claus, um, and these two kids wind up helping him save Christmas. Very good movie. Enjoyed it a lot. It was on Netflix. Kids loved it. That was a lot of fun. We watched Home Alone 2. Home Alone Part 1. I mean, we watched Home Alone also. And I do love Home Alone, and we talked about this earlier in the show, but it's not appropriate for a three-year-old because there's a lot lot of words in there that Reagan is a parrot. She repeats everything. So Patrick and Claire are mature enough where they can know you don't say these things. It's just in a movie. But Reagan will parrot everything. So we had to turn it off and we put on the Christmas Chronicles. And then when she went to bed, we finished with um, Home Alone. So now we'll watch Home Alone 2. And I didn't realize the whole spinoff of Home Alone movies, but the original is still the best. Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, great stuff there. Absolutely great stuff. So the question, of course, is when you're thinking about children, how do you toe the fine line between raising good kids and not spoil brats who think they're entitled to everything and then become Hunter Bidens? That's really the question. As a parent, you think about two things all the time. You have daughters. You think about Chris Rock's very important advice. Keep your daughter off the pole. And as a dad, you think about keeping your son out of prison. It's one of those things that you think about all the time. How do I make sure my son does not become a sociopath? How do I make sure my daughter does not have to, you know, be on the pole? These are these are these are things parents wrestle with all the time. And you have to it's a fine line between discipline and loving your children, but your job is to make sure that you're raising them not to be their friend. And I think too often you have people who treat their children like they're their friends and you're supposed to be friends, but you have to be a parent first. And that means they're going to be upset sometimes, and that means you're going to tell them no, and that's okay. I think you're building character when you do that, and you're teaching them to delay gratification, and that will make them into healthier adults someday. Hunter Biden is out there right now acting like a victim because he's a guy that really, truly never took responsibility for his own actions until he absolutely just had to uh, or face prison time. He was scared straight, in other words. But he's still out there playing the victim card. He's still out there acting like these just mean MAGA Republicans are going after him simply because of his dad. And he's done nothing wrong except fight his demons and overcome his demons and blah, blah, blah. On Bill Maher's uh, Friday Night Show, he asked a great question regarding Hunter Biden. Take a listen. I have a yes or no question just because it's the holiday season and it's people are with family. I keep reading about Hunter Biden this week. Uh, how much do we blame Joe Biden's indulgent parenting? Or do kids just come out as they are? Listen, Hunter Biden is 53. He's getting mail from AARP. <laughs> okay. All right. I think, I think you were... Uh... Continually <laughs> treating him as a teenage runaway, isn't he? <laughs> Very good point. He, 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 treating him like a teenage runaway is not the right way to handle this. He needs to grow up and he needs to handle responsibilities. But there's another question, too, which is, is Hunter Biden going to be the reason why Joe Biden's out of the race? Barack Obama came out over the weekend and said he doesn't think that uh, Biden can win. This comes after Axelrod said it. This comes after all these terrible polls. You know, they asked Biden, they said, what about the polls showing you losing to Trump? He goes, you're looking at the wrong polls. Really? Well, then show us the ones that show you beating him. Show us those polls. Where are they? Well, it wasn't very strange when you watch the video of that car hitting his motorcade 
Wasn't the whole thing just strange? I noticed, first of all, the president's just kind of standing on the street, but you can see a white pickup truck go by in the background. I mean, traffic was still going. And he just stands there, and then they hear the sound of the car crashing, and they all just kind of freeze. And, and the, you see the one Secret Service agent look over at it, and then they kind of wait, and then they kind of pull Biden into the car. But at some point, his head is exposed higher than the door. And I don't know. I, I, I was looking at that and said, this, is, this whole thing is very strange. It didn't seem to be a whole lot of panic on behalf of the Secret Service to like rush him into the car and put him in head first and use the door to shield him and get him in. What am I? I'm not. What, what, what? Oh, oh, you're thinking that I'm saying that it wasn't really Biden, that it was a body double? Like in the movie Dave? No, I just I'm I'm not saying that. I'm that's a good point, though. I guess I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, the movie Dave did have a body double, but but still, you'd have to keep the illusion up. So you'd still act like it was the president, right? I think anyway. Uh, but the whole thing was strange. But they said they asked Biden, they go, well, what about the polls showing Trump beating you? And he goes, ah, you're looking at the wrong polls. Yeah. Well, what about the polls that show you beating Trump? Where are they? Where are these secret polls? And this kind of confirms my theory. Remember, remember, I told you a theory that I have, which is that if you want to get Biden out of the race, you got to convince him he's already won. You have to like bring him polls that are frugazes and show him that he's crushing it and winning. And maybe that's all Biden is seeing. So maybe Biden really does think that there are polls that show him winning because that's that all is the only thing people show him. And they turn around and they say, "Look at this." Look at this. You are you are crushing it. You've already won, Mr. President. You you've won. You are the president again. Congratulations. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they asked Biden about the polls and he turns around and says, what are you talking about? I won the election. He just walks away. But if you're going to get the guy out, you got he's such a he's such a narcissist. He's so egotistical. You got to convince him that this is his decision and he's doing it for another reason. Or you got to convince him that he's going to wind up going to prison because you have put him in a position right now where it's inevitable that Hunter Biden's going to bring him down. This is what Andy McCarthy was saying this morning to Dana Perino. By the way, I filmed an episode of uh, Perino on politics today, and it was a lot of fun. Dana Perino is great. She's a great friend, and uh, it was really nice to be on there with her. But the question that she was asking Andy McCarthy, and it's a fair one. You know, what impact does Hunter Biden have on, on all of this? And what impact does it mean when you've got Barack Obama saying Hunter Biden has to go? You've got David Axelrod saying Hunter Biden has to go. And then you're in a situation where everybody sees the writing on the wall. And what effect then does Hunter Biden add to this in terms of taking the story away from anything that the Bidens want to really talk about and making it all about Hunter Biden? Take a little bit of a listen here. Uh, When they were trying to make that whole case go away. But now, obviously, he's indicted in not one but two cases. So, you know, he's going to be out there publicly, as is his lawyer speaking. And that's going to be excruciating for the president and mm-hmm. I, I the thing I think about the uh, the Washington Post report that David was speaking about is I'd be very concerned about that you know there's a there's kind of a confluence of events that we've seen you know David Axelrod says maybe Biden shouldn't run there's a Wall Street Journal report this weekend where you know it seems like Obama is saying the same yes, thing yes I saw You've that got now two indictments mm-hmm. and now this report. What astonished me about it is not just the details. This is a 4,000-word uh, report, which means they spent weeks on it. They could have dropped it at any time. And it dredges up stuff that's been kind of vaguely known for years. Right. And that Joe Biden must have thought that he had you know, survived that 
long ago. Uh, and here it is again, right at a time when a lot of top Democrats are saying, you know, maybe time for him That's to right. get out. And so one of those what lies beneath scenarios. Andy McCarthy, thank yep. you. And go- because the, the, the problem here is that the FBI secretly taped James Biden as a probe an attorney who paid $100,000 to his consulting firm. His brother James was secretly recorded by the FBI during a bribery investigation to a Mississippi trial attorney who shelled out $100,000 to his consulting firm in the late 1990s. Richard Scruggs, the trial attorney, hired James and Sarah Biden's D.C. consulting firm while seeking to gin up support for tobacco legislation being contemplated by Congress in 1998. Neither James nor his brother President Biden, were implicated in any major criminal wrongdoing in the case, but the revelation comes amid an impeachment probe into alleged influence peddling by the president's family members. Quote, I probably wouldn't have hired him if he wasn't the senator's brother. Scruggs told the Washington Post, so I forked over cash to James Biden's firm. Jim was never untoward about his influence. He didn't brag about it or talk about it. He didn't have to. He was a man's brother. Scruggs, who was later sent to prison over a separate bribery scheme, had been closing in on a deal to push tobacco companies to cough up billions of dollars in a lawsuit alleging that they withheld information that their products were addictive. Seeking some $368 billion, Scruggs needed Congress to waive antitrust provisions as part of a settlement deal. Senator Joe Biden, in 1997, initially said that he was, quote, not yet convinced that this settlement is a good deal. Despite initially being reluctant... Joe Biden, who sat on the powerful Judiciary Committee as a ranking member, ultimately became one of its most significant backers. Ultimately, the bill failed to clear Congress. Biden, at the time, cited an intense campaign by the tobacco industry that he claimed swayed Republicans. While seeking support from the then-Delaware senator, Scruggs made multiple $10,000 payments to Lion Hall, that's James and Sarah Biden's consulting firm, over roughly a year. Scruggs was unsure if James convinced his brother to back the bill, but told the Washington Post, I hope he did. Now, a lawyer for James Biden was adamant that his work never involved speaking with or providing access to his brother. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. Lionhall has come into focus for Republican congressional investigations looking into whether the president's brother had used the company to filter money to the rest of the Biden family. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer has flagged a $40,000 check marked as a loan repayment from James to Joe in 2017. Comer alleges that the payment was laundered money from the Chinese government-linked CEFC. As evidence, Comer points to a series of transactions to the president's brother's account. President brother's account. White House, however, has forcefully rejected the notion and highlighted bank records that indicate the president did indeed make a loan to his brother. In November, the House GOP impeachment inquiry subpoenaed both James and Hunter Biden for testimony this month. But, of course, both men skipped it. And now there's a investigation to James in California as part of the indictments into Hunter Biden. So years after the uh, tobacco bill hubbub, FBI authorities began to investigate Scruggs over an alleged bribery scheme involving supposed plans to funnel $40,000 to a local judge. During that investigation, agents recorded phone calls, including ones from James Biden. At the time, James Biden was reportedly attempting to create a firm with Scruggs' partners. Although James Biden was never implicated in the bribery scheme, Scruggs and some of his partners were ultimately sent to jail. A lawyer for the president's brother insisted he was never aware of the scheme and that uh, the plans for a partnership never got off the ground. Recordings reviewed by the Washington Post 
The far right wing Washington Post showed many of the recorded calls James Biden was on discussed the potential partnership. I told him we had formalized our relationship with you guys. I told him about the real Washington presence and that this was not going to be a BS, you know, a single hung, a shingle hung somewhere in a window. Now, this was a real deal that Sarah was coming on, you know, as a name partner, an equity share in the venture that we were changing the name of the firm to include her. Hunter was going to be involved and you're going to be involved. Scruggs became chumsy with the Bidens due to his ties to Steve Patterson, an aide to former Senator John Stennis of Massachusetts. Or excuse me, Mississippi. Stennis was a segregationist, Democrat, of course, who differed dramatically from Biden during his early days in the upper chamber. That's when, as Chris Matthews put it, Biden used to hang out with the Seggies. Yeah, yeah, pound around with the Seggies back then, you know? All these Democrat segregationists, because the Democrat Party, of course, has, has always been a racist party. The party of Jim Crow, the party of the KKK, the party of slavery, and the segregationists, obviously. Uh, the eventual president became friendly with Patterson in the years that followed, as did his brother James. And Patterson reportedly connected James and Scruggs during the 1990s. Biden wouldn't have known anybody in Mississippi if not for me. That's just a fact. I take ownership of that. Biden loved Mississippi. I mean, the, the guy is such a creep and a sleazeball, Biden. He really is. He's such a creep and a sleazeball. And the fact of the matter is, and you know this and I know this, that Biden's image of being this saintly man in the basement on Twitter all the time, not on Twitter, no mean tweets, this narrative is all blown up here. All blown up. Here's Representative Mark Green telling Maria Bartiromo that the House Republicans expect to advance. Oh, I'm sorry. Let, let me, that's the wrong one here. Uh, that's for Mayorkas. I'll come back to that. And the question, of course, then is, as, as, as this problem with Hunter keeps coming up, what do you do? Well, Jen Psaki has some advice. Just stop talking. Just stop talking. Don't say anything anymore. The problem is, though, it's too late here. And so the risk for Republicans is that come election day, they are seen focusing on the wrong things, not focusing so much on the economy or immigration, but on what could potentially be a meritless impeachment. The risk for the White House is that it becomes a distraction. Jen Psaki, you had this surprise press conference by Hunter Biden. Did it help or did it hurt? Look, I think if you're sitting in the White House right now, you're like, please, Hunter Biden, we know your dad loves you. Please stop talking in public. Um, This is not helpful to any of them for him to be out there. But at the same time, the president loves his son. That takes precedent over anything else. That is appealing. I'm thinking of the woman in your focus group who talked about family. He loves his son. He loves his family. He's worried about his mental health. But yes, the White House would like him to probably go away, right? The White House would like him to zip it. Just zip it already. But he's not going to. And the reason why is because he doesn't want to go to prison. So, you know, my theory is that when Hunter Biden came out and said the whole thing about Uh, My father was not financially involved in my business. It was his way of letting everybody know in the in the Biden world. I will talk if I have to. All right. I will talk. I don't want to. I'm not. I don't want to talk, but I will if I have to. So if you are going to play this game with me, if you're going to play this game, just know I know things. I know things. And that's the reality. That's the truth. But you you and I you and I both know that. When it comes to corruption, people, for the most part, don't really care as long as the economy is good. But when the economy is not good, you've got a problem. Selena Zito wrote a great piece today in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. The last, well, the last steelworker, please turn off the lights. And the entire thing about it was how U.S. steel is going away. U.S. steel is going away because U.S. steel is going to be bought by a foreign entity. And there's a piece in the article that talks about how years ago, 
This whole big steel mill up outside of Pittsburgh, they were going to expand it dramatically. Would have been job security, would have been more jobs, would have been great for the region and everything. But it was killed because of environmental reasons. It was environmental reasons that killed it. John Fetterperson, the United States Senator from Pennsylvania, came out over the weekend and said, I'm not a progressive. He's breaking with his own party over Israel, over the border, and also over getting rid of Bob Menendez. Now, I think John, John Fetterperson, because I want to leave gender out of it, John Fetterperson, I think, is a kind of guy who will say whatever he has to say. Like most politicians, he'll say whatever he has to say. He said, I'm not a progressive. I just think I'm a Democrat that is very committed to choice and other things. But with Israel, I'm going to be on the right side of that. And immigration is something near and dear to me. And I think we have to do we have to effectively address that as well. Well, think about Pennsylvania, where these issues are playing at ahead. John Fetterperson is not going to be on the side of Israel and the border if he doesn't think it's smart politics for him. And on this issue, you have the New York City mayor over the weekend saying the federal government is doing nothing on immigration. Fetterperson said it's a reasonable conversation until somebody can say there's an explanation on what we can do when 270,000 people are being encountered on the border, not including the ones, of course, that we don't know about. To put that in reference, that is essentially the size of Pittsburgh, the second largest city in Pennsylvania. Fetterman also came out over the weekend and said he believes that China should not be allowed to buy our farmland and he wants to take back all the land they've already bought. So I don't know what changed about the stroke or medicines they gave him or he came out of his depression as a going more to the right. I don't know. But there's definitely a marked change in John Fetter person, no question about it. All right, listen, as we continue along here in our fourth and final hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, I us my buddy Tom Skopinich. Great guy and a, and a lawyer who's going to fight for you. That's what he does. He fights. He fights for his clients on both sides of the river. He's licensed in PA and New Jersey. And when it comes to a guy who knows the game, no one knows it better than Tom. See, prior to starting his own law practice, Tom used to work for and on behalf of the big insurance companies. So he understands their strategies and their tactics, and he's going to put them to work for you. That's the difference. That's the secret sauce right there with Tom Skopinich. So just recently, I had a buddy who was in a bad car accident. Reached out to me. Thank God, you know, he, he, he survived. It was pretty bad. But reached out to me and said, hey, can I reach out to Tom on your behalf? And sure enough, within an hour, they were talking. Tom's ready on the case. That's the kind of guy he is. And you're going to speak to him directly. You're going to talk to him. Unlike the billboard clowns out there who you're never going to hear. Yep, you're going to, you're going to speak to Tom. So reach out to him today. Go to scopelawyer.com, S-C-O-P-E lawyer.com. Get what you deserve. If you're injured in an accident, you need to maximize your recovery and get the settlement that you deserve. Tom Skopinich will fight to make that happen. And for over 25 years, he has proven results. You can trust that he will fight for you in either New Jersey or Pennsylvania. His office is in Lansdale, Montgomery County, PA. Reach out to him today, scopelawyer.com, the law offices of Thomas G. Skopinich, scopelawyer.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Oh yeah, baby, it's uh, Monday night on a um, shortened week for many people. As we get ready to go over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house for Christmas. Welcome back. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you if you joined us Friday in Cape May. It was a lot of fun. I came down with bronchitis after that, but uh, I don't think it's contagious. I think it's a bacterial infection, but hopefully I didn't get anyone sick. And then food poisoning last night. I know. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Food poisoning last night. Oh, it was rough. Me and Reagan, two of us. She's got my stomach. So it was a long night in the Zioli household, let me just tell you. 
It's a long night, but Friday night was a blast. We had a great time, and uh, I'm really happy that you were there. And thanks again to Bob and Caitlin and John and Pam and the whole team at the Grand Hotel, Mike, Chef David Mills, for hosting us. Five times this year we were there for live shows, and every single one was better than the last. It was great. And thanks to you for joining us. I promised you a great show, and I think we delivered. And if nothing else, you don't remember it because you were day drinking so much. So you see, everybody wins. All right, as we continue... uh, Former President Trump made a comment over the weekend, which I really loved. He was talking about windmills. We talked a lot about the wind turbines at all these different shows at Cape May. And don't forget, the project is still, it's still going in uh, off of Long Beach Island. The Atlantic Shores project off of LBI and Atlantic City is still full steam ahead. So the fight is not over yet. We beat Orsted for now, but the fight is not over yet. Keep that in mind. This is what former President Trump said regarding windmills. By the way, you know, the one thing about climate, so we fight like hell and they put up all these windmills all over the place that uh, if you add the cost of rebuilding and they're all rebuilt, you know, in China, they're all built in China and Germany. And they said, let's assume you're a big believer in this. They send big fumes in. So you add it all up and it's terrible. You can't get rid of the blades. They only last 10 years. Uh, The energy is the most expensive energy you can do. They kill all our birds. If you want to see a bird cemetery, go under a windmill sometime. You'll see birds like you never saw. It's a very, if you love birds, you'll start to weep. But it's, it's just the craziest thing. They ruin our planes and fields. They're killing our whales. You know, the whales are coming in. I think we had one whale come in in 50 years. This year we had like 12. It's a, it's a terrible thing they're doing to our country. And they're doing... Actually, we had more than 12. But uh, I think, I, I, I don't know exactly where he meant, but there were, I think, close to all in, up and down the entire Atlantic seaboard, close to 60 whales and dolphins. But that's the ones we know about. We don't know about the ones we don't know about because they dropped to the bottom of the ocean, uh, didn't make it to shore. We don't know about the ones we don't know about. But the, the issue about the climate, though, and this is a very, very key point here. I think Democrats have so sided with the environmental whack jobs to the point now where blue collar workers see that and sense that, believe that and know it. One of the questions I got was how much was the war on coal an issue in 2016 in Pennsylvania? It was massive. It was huge. Now you have, you still have the war in energy that's happening in our country and voters see it. And what is it all about? It's all about the corporate media and their fear mongering over climate change. John Stossel had a great point. He said over the last 20 years, because if temperature rises, we have seen about 116,000 more people die from heat, but 283,000 fewer people die from cold. He said, United States Special Presidential Envoy for Climate, John Kerry, says it will take trillions of dollars to solve climate change. Then he says there is not enough money in any country in the world to actually solve the problem. Kerry has little understanding of money or how it's created. He's a multimillionaire because he married a rich woman, Teresa Hines. Now he wants to take more of your money to pretend to affect climate change. Now, Jorn Lundberg points out that there are better things society should spend money on. He acknowledges that a warmer climate brings problems, quote, as temperatures get higher, seawater, like everything else, expands. So we're going to maybe see three feet of sea level rise. Then they say, so everybody who lives within three feet of sea level, they'll have to move. Well, no, if you actually look at what people do, they build dikes. And so they don't have to move. People in Holland did that years ago. A third of the Netherlands is below sea level. In some areas, it's 22 feet 
below sea level, yet the country thrives. That's the way to deal with climate change. Adjust to it. Quote, fewer people are going to get flooded every year, despite the fact that you have much higher sea level rise. The total cost for Holland over the last half century is about $10 billion. Not nothing, but very little for an advanced economy over 50 years. For for saying things like that, of course, he gets labeled as the devil, a climate denying devil. The problem here is unmitigated scaremongering. A new survey shows that 60% of all people in rich countries now believe it's likely or very likely that unmitigated climate change will lead to the end of mankind. This is what you get when you have constant fear-mongering in the media. Some people now say they will not have children because they're convinced that climate change will destroy the world. Lomberg points out how counterproductive that would be. We need your kids to make sure the future is better. He acknowledges that climate warming will kill people. As temperatures go up, we're likely to see more people die from heat. That's absolutely true. You hear this all the time. But what is underreported is the fact that nine times as many people die from cold. Cold. The cold, frigid, chilly, chilly temperatures. As temperatures go up, you're going to see fewer people die from cold. Over the last 20 years, because of temperature rises, we have seen about 116,000 more people die from heat. But 283,000 fewer people die from cold. That's rarely reported in the news. When the media doesn't fret over deaths from heat, they grab at other possible threats. CNN claims that climate change is fueling, ready, extremism. Yes, how climate change is fueling extremism. You know, political extremism. Mm-hmm. I know, it's insane. But they talk about terrorist groups and everything like this. Boko Haram. That all of this now is, is causing people to, to, be, to, to become terrorists. I, I kid you not. Does water scarcity create a terror spring? The Middle East and North Africa is the world's most water-scarce region. And they say right now that they have some of the highest rates of food insecurity and terrorism. Climate-induced drought, also linked to the growing influence of ISIS in the Middle East, according to a 2017 report commissioned by the German Foreign Office. Increased water scarcity in Syria played an important role in the forming of ISIS and that ISIS tried to gain and retain legitimacy by providing water and other services to garner support from local populations. It's basically like if they had only had uh, a Poland spring, we would not have uh, radical Islamic t- Islamist terrorism. No, really, we would not have radical Islamist terrorism if we just had uh, better water. It's not, they're not motivated by bringing about the caliphate. No, 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 no. Nope, nope, nope. They are motivated by getting fresh Dasani water. True, true fact. True story. See, this is the kind of insanity that people, you look at this headlines and people think they're really smart when they read stuff like this and go, actually, you know, the really, the true reason of terrorism is. Uh, the BBC says a shifting climate is uh, catalyzing infectious disease. U.S. News and World Report says climate change will harm children's mental health. Lomberg replies, it's very, very easy to make this argument that everything is caused by climate change if you don't have the full picture. He points out that we rarely hear about positive effects of climate change like global greening. That's good. We get more green stuff on the planet. My argument is not that climate change is great or overall positive. It's simply that just like with every other thing, it has pluses and minuses. Only reporting on the minuses and only emphasizing worst case outcomes is not a good way to inform people. He's exactly right. But fear, fear sells, doesn't it? I mean, fear sells. If, our, if we can make our children so terrified of, of climate change, and then we can point to that for the mental health rates, well, then you don't, have to, you don't have to say anything about what COVID did to the kids and 
You don't have to say anything about the effect of school closures on kids. You don't have to bring up anything. All you have to do is just say that it's climate anxiety. Climate anxiety. I shared with you a story a couple weeks ago about how climate anxiety is leading to people uh, not buying homes. No, no, it's not because interest rates are 7 or 8%. It's not because there's no inventory on the market. And so every home now, even middle-class homes that we grew up in are now a million dollars. No, 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 it's climate insecurity. That's why people aren't buying homes right now. So we have climate insecurity. We have the rise of terrorism. We have children's mental health, all because of climate change. And ISIS wants a global caliphate, not because they want to bring about their whack job version of Islam to rule the world and kill all the Christians and the Jews and the, and the Muslims who they think are fake. No, they just want to open up a, uh, a water company. Just a giant water company for everybody. Flavored water, sparkling water. Oh, flavored sparkling water. Why not? It's really about the fact that they are so sick and tired of Perrier. And that's why they struck France a few years ago. No, no joke, folks. No joke. Everything they plan is spectacular in nature, and it all involves water. Water delivery. Their goal is to be the world's number one supplier of bottled water. And ISIS will not rest until that happens. It's the absolute ridiculousness of all this. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. More to come. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Yeah, this border situation is a freaking mess. Unbelievable. As authorities suspended railway operations at the southern border to free up agents to help with the flood of illegal immigration. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. That is a, uh, uh, I mean, the border situation is just insane. It really is insane. And you are talking about even Pennsylvania Senator, like I said in the last segment, John Fetterperson coming out and saying that the border situation is insane. This is what's happening. Bill Malusian down at the southern border, as he reports on what's going on down there, shutting down international commerce is what's happening at the United States southern border right now. That's how Take bad things are. Take a live look at our Fox News drone over in Eagle Pass. They have had another mass illegal crossing out there. You can see hundreds upon hundreds of illegal immigrants waiting for processing there. You might be able to see a bridge off in the background. That is where the trains come in. Well, CBP has announced they are suspending railway operations to move CBP officers down into the field to help Border Patrol with processing. In other words, Harris, they're shutting down international commerce in order to help speed up processing of these migrants. Many of them, again, will be released. And back out here live, mm-hmm. December is traditionally one of the slowest months at our southern border, but uh, the Border Patrol Union tells us right now their numbers show they are on track to potentially have the highest single month of arrest they have ever had at our southern border. We'll so that's nice. We got that going for us, which is nice. Highest in the history of our southern border. <coughs> it's reached... Um, Indian reservations in Arizona, where more than a thousand illegal immigrants are crossing every single day. And there are just three to four Border Patrol agents to deal with it. We also want to show you what's happening on the Indian reservation out here. Take a look at these images. Very rare to see this. The media is not allowed to go in here. But Border Patrol released these photos. This is the nearby Indian reservation right next to Lukeville. You can see there is no border wall. There's just some anti-vehicle tracks laid out. And they are getting pounded with illegal immigration there every single day. And it's very rare to see the Border Patrol union there telling us that they're getting upwards of 1,000 thousand illegal crossings every single day and they only have about three or four border patrol agents there uh, to patrol and process that area 
and, and massive, massive numbers of single men from all over the world are converging on the open southern border all over the world. All over the world. I can tell you we have not yet seen any National Guard down here in Lukeville. What we have seen are more mass illegal crossings and more mass processing taking place. We'll step out and give you a look at the scene here. This is a temporary outdoor area that Border Patrol has set up here to process these illegal immigrants. You can see family units as well as single adult men who have come in from all over the world here uh, getting processed, getting ready to get put on a Border Patrol bus where many of them will be released and likely heading to a city near you in in the coming days and we'll show you what's been happening out here. Take a look at this video we shot yesterday afternoon right here in Lukeville. Another mass incursion through a breach in the border wall. We were showing this a couple weeks ago as well. Hundreds of people pouring through the breaches in the border wall, crossing illegally. A lot of them single adults, as I mentioned, coming in from all over all over the world. All over the world. For the world in this group you're looking at all here, over the world. there were adult men from Congo, Guinea, Senegal, others from Colombia and Ecuador. And Harris, listen to these numbers. Just in this Tucson, Arizona sector, in the last three weeks alone, Border Patrol says they've arrested more than 54,000 illegal immigrants, and that does not count the gotaways. That does not count the gotaways, because obviously the gotaways got away. The gotaways got away. That's why they're called gotaways. What a freaking mess. What a freaking mess. You can understand why Biden's approval rating is under 34%. 34%. But it's just that we have the wrong polls. That's all. Mr. President, why are you losing to Trump in the polls? Yeah, the wrong polls. Polls that I have show me winning. As the, the ones that they show me every day. Tell me I already won the race. I already won. Here's we Eric had Adams. to do a real job of explaining to everyday New Yorkers that the federal government has abandoned uh, this important issue. That's a national issue. So they're angry and it's going to come out. I'm the mayor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? We had to do a real job. of. No, explaining- it's true. He is a mayor and uh, he keeps running his mouth. They keep investigating him. What a what an absolute mess. What an absolute disaster. Single men from all over the world. Now, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said that Biden's border strategy, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, I'm sorry, Senator John Cornyn said that Chuck Schumer's border strategy is not going to happen. Joe Manchin says the border must be shut down. This is what Senator Joe Manchin said yesterday on CNN. He said basically now the border has to very be completely shut down. They're moving in a very positive way. They understand that the border is broken, that glass ceiling has been broken, and we've got to stop this dangerous immigration uh, that we have coming to our country from all over the world, Jake. Things that we've never seen, numbers that we have never seen like this. The whole world is in the flux, and they're taking advantage of a system that truly is broken. And this is not immigration reform. They're basically working diligently on just securing the border. Just securing the border. You have to raise the threshold as far as on the definition of asylum. You just can't come and say someone threatened me and I've got to come into your country. You have to show and be pro- have proof that this type of threat to you and your family uh, is basically uh, un- untenable and you cannot live in those conditions. That's going to change things. Even under the lower bar right now, Jack, Jake, when everything has been adjudicated. Well, you know what? I mean, and this is the problem, right? You can you can change definitions all you want. But the courts are going to overrule you. The courts are going to step in and say, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Now, Pramilia J. Powell was asked a question, and this is very, very key. It's something that I've been saying for a while now, which is that Democrats want open borders. 
And people like Manchin, Fetterperson, the others, these, these are the outliers. The Democrats who are calling for the border to actually be secure, these people are outliers. They do not represent the Democrat Party. You want to know what represents the Democrat Party? What Pramila J. Powell, a whack job member of the whack job squad, said, this is the quiet part out loud. This is the Democrat Party. Those other people, the people that actually want to secure our border, they're moderates. They don't really exist. They are outliers, and they do not represent a substantial... I mean, they they are not the Democrat Party. This is. Take a listen. How much backlash will he get from the left if he does agree to these changes? He's gonna, there's going to be a lot. We have to put together a coalition that is the same coalition we delivered in 2020 for him to win the White House, for us to win the Senate, and for us to take back the House. And that coalition involves a lot of young voters. It involves a lot of immigrant voters. It involves a lot of folks of color. Immigrant voters, you see? <coughs> Jimmy, so the question was, how much backlash would Biden get from the left if he agreed to border security? There is going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of backlash. And then you have this, this whack job Republican. This is Democrat Representative Jasmine Crockett. Republicans who want to secure the border, well, they're just absolutely insane. So you know that, right? Democrats, and I, I assume this includes the mayor of New York City and others, who also say they want to secure the border. That something needs to be done. I guess they're crazy too? I'm very concerned because the Republicans have never gotten immigration right. That's just the fact of it. Um, there's not very much that the Republicans get right in general. And so to basically say that issues of national security as it relates to how we're going to take care of our allies should be tied to this mangled immigration process is absolutely insane. I mean, when you look at somebody like Greg Abbott, my governor, and his solution, his solution is to basically say, hey, we're going to kill people that are trying to come in. Like, that's not a solution. Like, the Republicans don't have the solutions. They want to continue to defund the aid that is going not the aid, but they're continuing to defund um, border security. Well, I mean, who's going to sign up for this job and you're not paying worth anything? So <laughs> I'm so confused. I really am. I'm so confused. Democrat Representative Jasmine Crockett, Republican demands for border security are absolutely insane. And it's about what you're paying people. It's a, it, the problem is that the border officials aren't making enough money. Is that what is that what she's saying? I'm trying to I'm trying to understand this. I really am I'm trying to understand this. But it's very hard to understand. It, it really is. Uh, some good news today that came out regarding uh, a victory in Pennsylvania. Let's see if I can I can share this with you. If I can get my stupid thing to open up. You know, it's like when you need when you need something to work, it doesn't work. Why is it always the case? Always the case, huh? Let's see here now. <clears throat> Court victory came down in Pennsylvania. A ministry in Pennsylvania, this is a big win for the and Pennsylvania Family Policy Council, said a great day for Joy L. Ministries and the students they serve in its released time program, said Randall Wegner, chief counsel for the Independence Law Center. Ministries should be free from arbitrary imposition of inapplicable state laws. In this case, one hands Joy L.'s ability to serve school students. It's a great outcome for a wonderful ministry. I've just got to cut this cold, but... The Commonwealth Court of Pennsylvania granted a victory to L. Joy Ministries in a case involving overreaching government mandates that would have hindered its ability to operate a popular released time program. Released time programs around the nation allow for public school students to receive religious instruction outside of school during the school day. 
And the court upheld the ability of this to continue, said Aaron Zebarth, CEO of Joy L Ministries. We're thrilled with this decision so that we can continue to serve the children we love. We are grateful for this tireless prayer support. The longstanding policy with the Pennsylvania State Police and PennDOT has been a recognition that groups like Joy L Ministries may provide transportation for students to attend these released time programs only so long as they didn't call their vehicles school buses or include equipment like flashing lights. However, an issue arose when a state policeman reversed course, grounding many of Joy L's buses and drivers for not complying with inapplicable standards only necessary for picking up and dropping off children along roadways, something Joy L never does. The effort to stop Joy L from transporting children was carried out despite the fact that its drivers held all the proper licenses and its vehicles missed all the required uh, state safety inspections. The court held that the state police attempted to apply inapplicable standards related to picking up and dropping off children along the roadway, which only apply to public, private, and parochial schools, and that Joy L's release time program is not a school and does not pick up or drop off children along roadways. As a result of today's decision, groups like Joy L Ministries will be protected in their ability to carry out their ministry, serving children throughout the Commonwealth. And the Independence Law Center, a leading constitutional civil rights law firm, uh, represented them in that case. So congratulations to them. That's excellent. That's good. State busting chops, you know, busting chops because they don't like the idea that kids leave public school to go get some religious education. And they don't like that because then you leave indoctrination camp. They want you to stay in indoctrination camp all day, obviously. So big win right there. All right, 855, uh, I'm, show's over. What am I doing? Tomorrow night, I'll be in for the great one, Mark Levin, after this show. So stay tuned. We'll have a lot of fun, six hours of radio together. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.